It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. This is the Saturday session. It is the Saturday session. What a weekend of sport we've got Pour coming up. Pour some sport on me, Grant. There's so much sport to be poured all over you, Daniel McCarty. I'm sure you've done the lawns. You've done a lot of DIY during the week, getting ready to get those credits up so you can just get sucked in by that couch. And just... Finally did do the lawns. I did a dreadful job at them, but they're technically done. Technically. Technically. So what? Yeah. Yeah, they're not done. They're not perfect, shall yeah. we say. Well, but I think I secured half a brownie point for it. Yeah. Well, maybe a half. Maybe a half of one of the many games that is coming up this weekend. What have we got on this weekend for well, the sports lovers? Pour some sport on me, Grant. Pour it all over me. Big sporting weekend upon us. Last night, uh, NRL preliminary finals. Bit of a turn up there. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, what else? you got the All Blacks and the Wallabies. At Eden Park. Sorry, you, you've got to say Fortress Eden Park every time you mention uh, the All Blacks at Eden Park. I, I think that's now in law, isn't it? Uh, well, it's I, etched in law. I just love how busy Eden Park will be because there's always talk about every year we go through the survey, should we be playing sports at Eden Park? Yes. And then you look at this weekend, there's well, then more, isn't Sunday there? Sunday afternoon game. Yeah. The All Whites take on Australia. Their second match in a few days. Australia getting uh, the chocolates in game number one by one goal to nil. Uh, further afield, over in uh, UK, uh, Joseph Parker, a reborn Joseph Parker, a reimagined Joseph Parker, according to his team ahead of uh, his battle against uh, the juggernaut Joe Joyce. He's been training in the UK as well, which I wouldn't think is that conducive to the eating habits of any boxer. That must be tough. Really? You know, well, you normally get what we called it the Heathrow injection. <laughs> when you landed, put on a few kegs. Well, uh, it, it sounds like... Um, He's maturing, according to his camp, of course. Tra- tra- right. Alongside Tyson Fury, Andy Lee, his trainer, um, had some very uh, interesting things to say in the lead-up to this one. Uh, as I mentioned, the uh, NRL, um, what, we've got the second preliminary final tonight. AFL Grand Final weekend. Interesting week for the AFL, off the field. On it, all eyes will be on that uh, extraordinary sporting day. And, and right in front of us right now, ro- history has been made, Grant Elliott. Roger Federer is playing his last professional game of tennis. He is playing a doubles game at the Lever Cup, which is a battle between Europe and the rest of the world. Uh, and he is a playing alongside, how fitting is this, alongside uh, the guy he battled long and hard for so much of his career um, on opposite sides of the net are actually next to each other. He's playing doubles with one Rafael Nadal against Sock and TFO uh, from the international side. They won the first set 6-4. 
Bjorn Borg's team captain, I think. Novak Djokovic is there high-fiving as they come off. It's extraordinary, if I can paint the picture for the listeners out there. How would you describe the colour of that court? Sort of charcoal? Yeah, it's quite bland it, charcoal. It looks like a a black and white movie, doesn't it, from the 1950s, with the bright red and blue tennis players superimposed on top. Blue being Europe. Uh, it's one all in the second set, 6-4, Nadal and Federer won that first set. And Rafa might need to speak to Andre Agassi because he's thinning at the top a little bit there. Not a great angle. Andre Agassi, I don't know if you've read his book, he spoke about how he obviously wore the, is it a toupee or a headpiece? And all he was worried about in the Wimbledon final because it started peeling off a little bit. He was just worried about his, his headset going missing. But, I mean, what a combination and what a way to finish. You know, athletes never get to choose how they finish. I heard someone say on a show, oh, you know, he deserves the right to um, you know, finish in the way he wants to. And I don't think any athlete deserves that because I think the game is always bigger than the athlete. It's just lucky how you finish your career. Yeah, I'm not sure if I agree or disagree with the notion of deserves. It's you know, how can you manufacture it? Yeah. Because sports are cruel mistress, right? You, you never quite know. I'm sure Serena Williams dreamt of winning the US Open. Yeah, as a uh, finish. As perfect, and what, she deserved the right to win the US? No, you've got to win the thing, don't you? You know, Brendan McCallum went out with 100 in his last test matches, as did uh, Jacques Callis. I mean, that's the fairy tale ending, but you know, you you can't really you you plan it, but you can't manufacture it. And no, no sporting coach should say, "Oh, he deserves a send off." If if you're done, he deserves the series, even though he should be probably be dropped before the series. He deserves his last series. I don't believe that. Well, we deserve sporting weekends like this now, Grant. And I'd like to know. Pour some sport on me. What's top, what's top billing in your mind? And this is a direct question uh, to our listeners. We'll open the lines. We normally open the lines at this stage of the day. We're going to do things a little bit differently today. Why? Uh, because we had to book our legends guest. Uh, we've got a legend of New Zealand football. Uh, talk about a man who made a major contribution, not just to New Zealand football, but to New Zealand sport. He represented New Zealand from 1995 through to 2013. No one has played more A internationals for the All Whites. I'm talking about the godfather, Ivan Vyselic, is going to join the program at about 10.30. So we're going to get to our Legends segment in association with Somerset a little bit earlier than normal. Uh, so we'll just rejig the show somewhat. Uh, we'll, we'll talk boxing after 11 o'clock. We're going to uh, be uh, joined by a man who certainly knows a lot uh, more than Grant and I. Chop Chop Chad Milnes is going to join us. Good nickname. Yeah, great nickname. Good fighter. Trainer, he knows the sport inside and out. We'll talk about Parker and Joyce. Uh, and as always here on the Saturday session, we hit the big topics you must know about. Uh, we discussed this a few weeks ago when Grant and I actually was uh, put through our, our version of a, uh, a boot camp <laughs> when we tried the hottest chilies in all of the world because the New Zealand Chili Eating Championships were going on. Uh, we uh, do have the champion, Jesse Painter, uh, joining the program after 12 o'clock. Are you I, gonna, I can't wait for that. Are you going to speak to him about your experience uh, taking on the Californian Reaper? Yeah, like it's kind of easy, the sport, isn't it? McCarty won Reaper nil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely hammered that. Uh, and throughout the show, we'll intertwine uh, your messages and your calls. Uh, and at the top of the program, I'd, l- I'd like to know, pour some sport on me. What sports top are your billing out there? What's the most important thing to you this weekend? What are you... Uh, wanting more than anything else, you can let us know on 0800 150 811 um, a little bit later when we open the lines. But uh, you can get your text messages coming through on double eight double three as we speak right now. 
I, I What's reckon, top of your well, for me, as much as I want to throw my attention to Auckland, because that's going to be pretty awesome, because that, even the Black Ferns play in Japan, aren't they? Yeah, so that, that's another game there. I'd like to uh, put my attention onto Wellington, the Sky Stadium. Oh, here we go. Well, obviously, I'm getting a, emotional already. a hometown. The Ranfurly Shield. We are, we are home of the Ranfurly Shield. I don't know if um, someone made Mace. that prediction last week. Home to the Mace and the Ranfurly Shield. I mean, when do you get the two trophies or shields in the same place? And I heard... Is the Ranfurly Shield, it only matters now. Yeah, so I woke up on, on Monday and I was driving and I listened listening to Izzy and he said, yeah, well done, Wellington. Enjoy it for the week that you've got it. So he was already preempting that Wellington were going to lose it. But I have heard subsequently in the press, they said, we've got to turn up for this game. We, you know, it's, it's a big game. Because if Wellington retain it here, everyone's pretty much tipping them to lose it, aren't they? And last week, but you why? tipped Wellington to win it I did tip against Hawks Bay. Yeah, and you, no one wanted to believe me. The deck slime lit up. Once I, again, you got it right. I, I think you, um, you, you, you won a prize, didn't you, via one of our listeners? I wonder if they'll have the... Uh, Yes, the guts to, to contact you and say how they'll pay you. He won't. No, he won't. He, he won't. will not. He already said that I owed him a, a pint of something um, prior to the game. He said, "Oh, they won't. You know, there's no chance Wellington are winning that one." And and we did. So I'm looking forward to that. What what, what what's top of your oh, your list? I mean, awesome you love your sport football. On me. I'd, oh, hey, there's a lot of starch in the Bledisloe Cup. Um, wonderful first test. Uh, a bit of back and forth. Uh, during the week too, um, probably not top of my billing. I, I'm quite, I, I'm loving just the the history on court of Nadal v Federer, but you know the Labor Cup probably doesn't really um, get me too excited. It, it's closing stages of the Major League Baseball season. I'm fizzed about that. Uh, NFL's here, AFL Grand Final day. You know, I am going to probably lean towards. I really want the All Whites to beat the Socceroos. And I really want New Zealand to, to find a cutting edge in the final third. Uh, there were many uh, things to enjoy about that performance on Thursday night, but uh, uh, New Zealand's inability to put the ball in the back of the net, the most important and most difficult aspect of the game, uh, does remain a concern. I, 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 want to, I, want to, I, I want us to feel like it's 2002 all over again when Ryan Nelson scored in Auckland to lead the All-Whites to a victory over uh, the Socceroos. Uh, with a 1-0 uh, win there. I, I want to go back to 2002, Grant, where you were a relevant cricketer. <laughs> I actually wasn't. The, the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers came out. <laughs> where you were getting over the fact that Brittany and Justin had just broken up. I know that was really <laughs> difficult for you. I know you had a lot of sleepless nights, and uh, you know you, you often just uh, went into your basement and, and put on the Eminem show. Sorry, mm. Eminem, yeah. as we say in New Zealand, because that was the biggest selling album in 2002. Johnny Clegg and Savuka, were they also? I was no, still I, at, I, I, was, I don't think so. I was still in the high felt then. I know. Yeah. I know. Only it, but it, uh, someone's just texted in and they said the most important game this weekend, and this is important, the grassroots sport, it's the Nelson Junior Tennis Open. Nice. Yeah. Got to mention that. Got to mention that. So what's uh, top of your sporting billing? Let, let us know as we pour some sport all over you. Uh, double eight, double three. Uh, let your nominations Start to flow. Um, our legend is Ivan Vasilich. He is coming up later this hour. In the next hour, we will talk some boxing uh, with Chop Chop Chad Mills. You've got to have a good nickname to get on this show. We've got um, the national um, chili-eating champ, too. We've got some horse, rating, horse racing and plenty of comment from Grant and uh, myself. 
And we've got a new producer today. Robbie, we welcome you. Welcome aboard, Robbie. Good to see you, my friend. Welcome back. Welcome, Robbie. Th- thank you, guys. It's, it's great to be here. I mean, f- first of all, I, I'm in awe. I think is it's worth saying. Well, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, to be working, so you should be working alongside uh, broadcasting greats Grant Elliott and Daniel McCarty. But also, sorry, you got that around the wrong way. Oh, sorry, Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Of course, of course, I'll be better next time. Um, yeah. Of course, in front of me right now, I, I'm watching tennis greatness. Yes. It's just, so strange. It's unbelievable. It? Like I, I, I love my tennis, and I, yeah, I. I didn't actually know, like, I'd, I'd heard that, you know, Federer was playing his last game, it was going to be at the Labor Cup, but I didn't know it was this weekend, and I didn't know it was right now, and then I just came into work today, turned on the TV, and there's Federer playing with Nadal, and Djokovic is coaching them on the sideline, like, I was just yeah. blown away. It's and Bjorn, and Bjorn Borg's there. Bjorn Borg, yeah. And Bjorn Borg's John McEnroe, there, McEnroe's uh, coaching Team USA, or Team World, sorry. Yeah. Crazy. This... Fantastic stuff, um, and uh, we'll talk about that as this game progresses. Good to have you on board, Robbie. Good luck to our uh, regular producer, producer extraordinary Ben Francis. He's got a big weekend. Uh, more on that a little bit later. Uh, we'll have to call him. We'll have to call him. That's what we do on this show. We will take a short break, though. It's 13 and a half minutes after 10 o'clock. After this break, uh, editor-at-large, the sporting news you need to know about. It's the weekend of pour some sport on me. What's top of your billing? What is the one thing you must, must see and you are demanding a result? Uh, Grant Elliott wants to retain the Ranfilly Shield. I want to see the All-White score not once, but twice, yes. Uh, I want a crooked number against the, the Socceroos tomorrow afternoon. Uh, let us know, a huge sporting weekend that this is. Uh, what's top of your pops? There's probably no wrong answers on this one. Uh, right now, though, at uh, 18 minutes after 10 o'clock, uh, it is time, uh, Grant, to uh, pick over the sporting stories uh, people need to know about as they start their sporting Saturday. Let's recap the news of the day. Uh, during this segment, we'll probably add in our totally unwanted and sometimes unwarranted off-the-cuff opinion. So let's go. To the NRL, we do turn. Uh, the Eels uh, have a chance to end 36 years of premiership drought. Mm-hmm. It's a long time, isn't it, Grant? It's almost as long as your uh, ice hockey team. What do they call the maple leaves or something? No, it, it's longer. That's much longer. <laughs> and come on, Grant, you should know by now the maple leaves are never winning in my lifetime. I, 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 I'm just p- at peace with that. Uh, the Eels, though, um, I'm suspecting they will win a, t- a premiership in my lifetime. I'm not sure if it's this year, but they've got a pretty darn good chance because they're in the big dance. Uh, 36 years of premiership drought could be over next Sunday. Uh, why? Because they have beaten the Cowboys uh, by 24 points to 20 uh, in last night's preliminary final, confirming their spot in the grand final for the first time since 2009. Uh, and they did it the hard way, coming back from 20 points to 12 down, Grant, with 25 minutes to play. Uh, it's quite a turnover because the Cowboys had never lost the seven previous finals matches they had hosted in Townsville. Mm. That's a tough one for Cowboys fans to get over. Oh, just any fan. I mean, that's what the the Wellington fans will be thinking today. I mean, this is finals footy. They go into the stadium. They want to celebrate this Ranfurly Shield down Courtney Place to the early hours of the morning. It's just—it's such a bitter moment when your team loses in the finals. Finals cricket, in I felt that. Yes, yep. You, you, spirit of cricket award. Yes, we, we love many that. times. The spirit of cricket award, we love that. Uh, Eels coach Brad Arthur speaking after the game says, "Really happy for the boys. We've made a lot of sacrifices along the way." Mitchell Moses made a massive sacrifice to his teammates today. He didn't get to see the birth of his daughter. That's huge. 
it shows what it means. Should we try and get his wife on the blow and just see how she feels about that? It's always that's always a tough it's predicament such a as a sportsman. personal decision. I'm loath to criticize anyone yeah. who makes that decision. I will never give grief if you want to be there or if you don't want to. It's your personal choice. You've really backed out of this one. Cuz Shane No, will... that's quite a strong opinion. I believe in a person's right. Right. To choose. So I don't think Shane Warne saw the birth of any of his children cuz he was too busy playing test cricket. And, and what would I do? Yeah, <laughs> what would you? It's, is she I, I listening even, at the moment? I wouldn't even think about it. Yeah, I, I think wouldn't think about you it. You have to. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. It and as a coach, your own. you need a you need a coach who actually has to sit on your side of the fence, though, don't you? Mm, true. Uh, we turn our attention to the Bunnings MPC, where uh, in one of the great old rivalries of New Zealand rugby, uh, didn't prove much of a rivalry. Well, after the early exchanges, that is, as Canterbury's uh, rushed away with a big 38 points to 20 win over Auckland. Quite a compre- comprehensive uh, victory for the uh, conference leaders. I think they're in the Evens Conference, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they'd already wrapped up top spot and a home advantage for the players before the game, uh, but then uh, showed off just how good they are. Uh, they rattled off 31 unanswered points during that game um, and won 38 points to 20. Uh, later this afternoon, you have a top-of-the-table match in the odds conference, which, of course, doubles as a Ramfilly Shield Challenge, which, of course, is the most important thing, according to Grant Elliott, this sporting weekend. <laughs> Grant Elliott um, and all Wellington fans, get ready for more squeaky bum time. I, I have never seen a ladder with a, with a side that sits, as he hurriedly tries to bring it up, um, sits near the top of theirs. They've won four or five games on the bounce, but they have a minus points differential. Um, and their margins of victory this year, Grant, 2, 6, 6, 6, and 7, and 13. Mm, that 13 was against Southland. Everyone does that. So even when they win, they make it nervous for their fans. How very Wellington of them. It's great. How very Wellington of them. You want, you want your fans to be on edge. You do want them to be on edge. Uh, like I'm on edge with Everton every time they play. When they play Liverpool. Gee, I'm so glad I'm not wearing a Liverpool shirt at the moment. Indeed. And uh, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are playing uh, doubles at the Labour Cup against uh, Francis Tiafoe and Jack Sock. This is, of course, Roger Federer's last professional competitive tennis match. Uh, I told you that uh, the European pair of Federer and Nadal with their, what, 40-plus singles Grand Slam titles uh, to them uh, won the first set by 6-4. to four. Uh, It's 3-all in the second uh, set. And lastly, England suffered an embarrassing... Um, relegation from the UEFA Nations Football League group after slumping to defeat against Italy in Milan. Giancomo Raspadori, what a name that is, uh, stunning 68th-minute strike, broke the deadlock in the San Siro as the game that lacked any spark finally came to life after the break with England's winless streak extending to five games, their worst since June 2014. Uh, there you have it, the very latest uh, sports news you need to know about it. We call it Editor at Large. It's 24 minutes after 10 o'clock. Coming up after the break, the Godfather joins us, Grant. We are in for a treat. Our Legends segment in association with Somerset, think Legendary Care, think Somerset Retirement Villages, with the All Whites playing at the Socceroos this weekend. We're going to catch up with the most capped All White as far as, you know, a internationals of all time with 88 to his name. Mr. Ivan Vissilich joins the program next. 
28 minutes, mate, that 29 minutes after 10 o'clock. Only the classics for our next guest. He deserves the best. He does. He does, he does. deserve the best. And Stevie is one of the best, isn't he? It's one of the greatest songs of all time, is it not? Very, very superstitious. Very Neil McKenzie. I was very superstitious. The left pad first. The lucky underwear. You didn't strap your bat to the ceiling, though. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. It made everyone sit down and have all the toilet seats up, or, or one of those. Things. No, like I wasn't that you. superstitious. I wonder if our next guest was superstitious. We will find out now, because it is time to, to lift the hood on an extraordinary uh, sporting career. It's another Saturday Session Legends uh, segment, and we're inspired by the All Whites taking on the Socceroos this week. And we're ca- uh, catching up with a man who uh, represented New Zealand just 88 times in A internationals. Uh, no New Zealander has played more games for the All Whites at uh, that level, the pinnacle. Test matches, as you might call them, Grant. Sorry, you'll break out in hives now, as I've mentioned. <laughs> Test matches. Uh, I can only be talking about uh, Ivan Vasilich. He joins the programme. Of course, New Zealand Order of Merit uh, recipient to you, Grant. Ivan, thanks so much for dropping by. How are you this Saturday? Good morning, Ivan. Good morning, guys. I'm very good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure, mate. It really is our pleasure. Uh before we talk about your career, watching the All Whites Thursday and then tomorrow at uh, uh, Eden Park, do you still get quite emotive? Get quite emotional when when you see them play? Yeah, look, it's uh, uh, it's great to see them on the TV again and and watch games. Of course, I mean it's, it's a long time that I spent of my life involved with the, with the national team and and wearing the shirt and uh, you know dreaming of. Uh, as a kid wearing the shirt, so to be able to to think back now and, and, and know that I was able to do that is is incredible. And watching it now, you know, it's, you know, you miss it a little bit, but also you you enjoy watching it a little bit. So there's a little bit of a mixed emotion, but it's just great to see them back and playing some good football and uh, you know battling it out, especially with our uh, Trans Tasman neighbours. So you served New Zealand so well from '95 through to 2013. That was just your All Whites career, but you take us back to your childhood. What shirts were you running around in the backyard? Was it always football, or were you were you quite a sporty individual? Yeah, it was always football. Yeah, um, always playing in the backyard, one on one with my brother, cousins, two on two, something like that. You know, and just keeping busy and posters on the walls, watching as much football as we could. I mean, the dream of the life at the moment, right now, of 150 channels of of sport that you can watch. You know, back then you might get the odd mm-hmm. game. Remember. Uh, going around to a friend's place to watch a Champions League final at 4am in the morning. You know, you've got to go to a friend's place just to get the channel to watch it back then. But now um, hmm. uh, it's a lot different. But yeah, look, it was always football, always training, always playing, always excited, always thinking that it's quite easy to play in the World Cup and quite easy to be a professional at that age. But, you know, as, you, as everyone here knows, it's very difficult. But uh, yeah, as I was younger, always dreaming to be to be a pro, to be to be able to wear the shirt. Ivan, I mean, we get a lot of kids that are sporting cricket now, running around in Chennai Super King shirts and <laughs> Mumbai Indians. And uh, what what were the teams you supported, and which shirts did you have growing up? Yeah, back then I had uh, I was an AC Milan. Well, I still am an AC Milan uh, supporter. Look, they were they were a top team in the nineties, and uh, that was my sort of childhood. And it was the team that I followed. So I, uh, they've come back and they're a bit of a resurgence at the moment. They won the Serie A last year. 
And uh, that was the shirts and colours that I used to wear, along with uh, the New Zealand colours as well that I uh, I used to wear as well. So, look, that was a dream. And what's incredible right now is, as you talk about, we watch the All Whites and, and New Zealand playing against Australia. We've got a guy that playing in the city are. So, you know, back then I dreamt of, of AC Milan, when now we've got Libby Kakachi doing really well in the city are. And, uh, mm. and Garbutt as well, you know, trying to get in there. So it's just... Uh, it's such a, a great turnaround for the country to have so many players play at that level. I don't need to tell Ivan this, Grant, but that AC Milan side in the 90s was a joke. They were just quite phenomenal. They, they were scary good. Uh, with, with, with the hairstyle you rocked for many years, what, you were inspired by Paolo, um, Ivan, am I fair to say? Did I get that right? Yeah, I, I think that could be right, yeah. It was a, it was a little bit of a trend from City, <laughs> I think, back in the day, you know. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say that. That's probably the easiest way to say it. You know, there was a few... A few superstars at that time were in a bit longer than I have at the moment. There was the old uh, Batistuta from uh, Argentina as well, I can remember. So, yeah, no, oh, it was uh, a little bit of a change for back now, yeah. Look, like coming through the system here in New Zealand, you spent time with Waitakere, Central United, uh, the Football Kings, um, too, before heading off, you know, f- for a long time in Europe, of course, making your debut for the All Whites in 95, just a sort of couple of years into that club career of yours. When did you feel you made it? When, when was your big break you felt that, heck, I could actually make a life out of this? Yeah, look, I have to say, to be honest, it's, um, I mean, when, when do you sort of, in life, in, in any, any, any way of life, have that feeling? So it's just, it's just you know, sport is, a, is an incredible opportunity for people to, to get a career out of it. And, and as you work your way along it, it's, it has those little steps where you get to different parts of of the world or the career or different clubs, especially in football, where where you are making a career out of it. So, yeah, look, I uh, I played for Waitakere, Century United here, the Kings, and was just moving along and doing my best week in and week out, training hard and always thinking, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the younger you were, the easier you think it is. But, you know, working my way along there and then got the opportunity to go to to Holland and, and play as a professional, which was a dream come true, and then also the selection for the for the national team. So, you know, I was lucky enough in, in the early years to be selected to age group teams for uh, for New Zealand under 17s, under 20s, and 23s. And and I don't think I ever sort of sat back and thought, oh, actually, I've made it right now. It's just always trying to be better and trying to work away and and try to get as as good and as high as you can and do and, and win games. You know, win things, win medals and. And that's probably the mindset. It was never really a time where I relaxed and sat back and said, okay, done the job, we're here now, we'll cruise. So interesting saying that I heard back in the days of someone that's not it's not just, you know, wearing a shirt, it's trying to win something inside the shirt that you wear. So, you know, for example, you, you get the honour of playing your first game for the always, but you want to do something special in that shirt. You want to create a bit of history and be part of something. So... I've sort of carried that, that, that little bit of uh, uh, saying inside my head through the different teams that I've played at. So it's, uh, it's never really been a moment of you've made it, but it's, uh, it's just a stepping stone along the way. And it's just an incredible, you know, when you look back now and, and I look back now, it's an incredible pathway that it was and, and totally in, enjoyable and incredible that it's, to be part of it. Uh, surely one of the, the turning points when you look back at it was the um, 99 FIFA Confederations Cup where you played a, a full tournament, you played in all three games um, in Mexico. Was that something that really gave you a taste of, um, I guess, uh, competition football, like a World Cup? Really elite. Yeah. 
Absolutely, it was a, it was an incredible tournament, incredible tournament, incredible tour towards that tournament. So we, you know, we had the uh, uh, privilege of playing against Australia to make that tournament and beating Australia. And uh, from a Mark Burton goal, I think I remember one zero. So it was a, a, a tough match, but to beat Aussie was always a, a, a Kiwi's dream in, in every way of life, I think. And and to do that, and then to be be selected on the tour was great. I mean, the lead up to that tournament was something special. I don't think New Zealand had been in a major tournament since '82 for the Confederation Cup in Mexico, and you know, in the, and the way to that Confederation Cup was was incredible. A lot of games, and but but walking out to that first game in the stadium was just absolutely chock a block. Maybe forty, fifty thousand people, uh, and, and just realizing, wow, this is something special. You know, this is something that I want to do regularly. This is an incredible moment, and and you're right, it was a, it was an incredible tournament, and uh, and to be part of that, and you know, on the other side of friendships, it creates those long-term friendships with people when they're away so long. So, it was a big point, and it was a great experience for us. When you did that multiple Confederations Cup, I, I think you went to Ivan. Of course, we all know uh, 2009, 2010, how how big that was for the All Whites to get back to a football World Cup. Uh, what hard to imagine what you used to. What you did probably after your first game, you came on as a sub in a 7-0 loss, right? <laughs> Against Uruguay. It was probably thinking, heck, what, what have we bitten off here? But is it fair to say New Zealand football, and specifically the All Whites, have made big strides, that those sort of days are well and truly behind us, that um, you know we've moved into a more full-on professional era where, where guys are, are following your career path, spending time working on their trade 365 days a year, that... That you you saw firsthand the transition from you know the semi pro amateur days to where we are now. Yeah, look, that was a long time ago. That there was a some debut. I think it was. I think the coach was thinking five 0 down. Let's put on Vislic and maybe he can get us back in the uh, game. Uh, but, <laughs> but unfortunately, that wasn't my strong uh, my strength, and we actually went down uh, seven. But yeah, on another side of it, it was an opportunity for a young player. To actually get some minutes for his national team, so it was. You know, I look back at the result. I say it wasn't great, but I look back at the you know that little opportunity for me, and it was incredible. And we were put, and, and not a lot of people might realise this, but the team we were playing for Uruguay was absolutely star star studded. Absolutely, some yeah. superstars in there. That Francis Scoli, uh, Ruben Sosa, these players that were playing at, at the peak of world football at the time. So yeah, we did struggle. We did struggle, but you know, again, as you just mentioned, we we were a team that was you know. Majority based in New Zealand, amateur footballers, and uh, and we we had a bit of a pre-tour to that, trying to you know lift the standards and do well, and we absolutely shocked them in the second game. I think it was a one-one draw or two-two draw, and I remember yeah. after the game against Uruguay, every single one of their players didn't want to sign autographs, didn't want to change uh, shirts, didn't want to do it. Got on a bus and went to a training session, so they absolutely <laughs> embarrassed that they were drawing with New Zealand. You know, so we. We shook that little part of the world a little bit back then, but but what I have seen, and you know, through uh, through the time of, of of being involved in the team and, and watching it now, is that yeah, we do have a have a, have a change. We have a the pathway is a little bit uh, more accessible to Europe than it was in the past. So players are, are hitting that way regularly, performing really well, and and grinding away. I mean, it's it's very difficult to. And what players need to realise is very difficult to to join a club and just slip straight in there and play from the first minute and play every game. That doesn't always happen. It does happen to 
the special players, but other players, they need to work hard. Mm. They need to put the time and they need, to put the, they need to go through disappointments of maybe under one coach not playing, but if you've got a two-year contract, that might change. You might get another chance. So, yeah, what we're seeing now are the, the fruits of, of, of that change of accessibility to Europe and also you know, the effort to the old National League and the, and the clubs and, and the training facilities that New Zealand has gotten better at to produce players that are technically better than it was they were in the past. Ivan, where where was your mind in your career? Because you look at uh, you know playing club football or you know Premier League, and you, everyone has these these goals and fantasies of where they want to end up in their career. But is it a different mindset? Were you always thinking about New Zealand, or did you have part of your mindset on playing the leagues around the world? Look, I think to be honest, I think it was it was both. It was definitely both. I mean, I had. And watched and seen uh, Winton Rufa, Chris Zorizic playing overseas. Chris is a little bit of a family cousin, so I had a little connect there. But watching Winton Rufa do some incredible stuff in Europe, and and again thinking that yeah, look, why not? Let's give it a go. But not realising the the difficulty of getting to that level, and and seeing them also play for the national team as well was was always a dream to play to play there. And I remember getting selected for the uh, for the age group under seventeen one, and it was a you know, it's an incredible sort of moment for the family and, and the honour of, of wearing the shirt, and that's even just at the age group level, you know. So the thrill was there. The dream was always to play as a, as a professional as well. And so, 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 you know, more or less side by side to me, to be honest. I mean, the thrill of playing in the World Cup means you have to play for your country. So the dream of mm. doing that is, was very high up there. And I guess alongside that, you want to you be able to live as a pro and call yourself a, a pro. So... It, it drives, it needs to, it, it, both of them need to drive players in, when they're coming through, I think. It definitely drives me I think as a person. Yeah. Ivan, I mean, you, you play teams like France, Germany, Brazil. Um, 2008, you retire uh, from international football. You come back out of retirement for 2009, 2010. What, is that the best decision you made to come back? Because I, I, I'm guessing, despite all those teams I've rattled off, is the highlight 2009 then into a World Cup? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very good decision. Thinking back at it now, incredible decision. Uh, yeah, look, it was a t- it was a time where I'd returned from Europe. We were expecting our first child, and and sort of seconded and thought that yeah, look, at retirement might be on the cards. So that was a decision made. It wasn't easy. Definitely wasn't easy, of course. But um, the decision to come back as well, talking talking to Ricky and talking to the staff at that time, and and what was on the the, the you know, the sort of plan going forward for the team and for everything. So it was a incredible, uh, uh, obviously looking back now, unbelievably happy to make the decision and to come back. And yeah, it was an incredible highlight. I mean, to be involved in a game where in New Zealand, where, uh, uh, you know, to me, anyone I meet or the, the world sort of stood still at that time. Everyone knows where they were in 2009 again when yeah. New Zealand was playing Bahrain in Wellington. Everyone knows about it. Everyone remembers it. Everyone has a story about it there's so many people travel down there you know and you catch up with people it's just it's great to be part of that sporting history of New Zealand you know let alone uh, uh, on the personal side or the family side it's also great to be able to you know walk up there and represent your country and then and complete something that hadn't been done for so many years to get to a World Cup and, and with an incredible group of players and, and staff that had worked really hard and, and managed to build an incredible culture and and uh, win or lost, the culture was great in that team.
and uh, and to get those rewards. But yeah, I mean, every time I think about it, I get goosebumps about it, and yeah, and, I and bet can't you believe do. it. Uh, it's it's it happened in that way. He's still still got to wait to see if Mark Preston makes that penalty save every time I watch it. You know. <laughs> you hear that, kids? You hear that, kids? A guy lived it what twelve years ago. Still gets goosebumps when he just thinks about it. That, that that's so telling to me. Uh, Ivan, um, you came back from retirement. You won Oceania Footballer of the Year and then Auckland Sportsman of the the Year twenty ten. What what was the catalyst? Like, what was so different after you retired and then made a comeback? Uh, did something change in the way you approached the game? It's just like a fine wine, Grant. Unlike you, aging perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be the answer. Yeah, look, it was. I guess it. You know, the first decision was around returning from Europe. So I was I was returning yeah. to New Zealand and coming to, coming from a standard where I thought, okay, look, I'm I'm and and look in a way at that time in Europe in in Holland where I was, once you you know once you're close to 31, you you maybe offered a little bit of a one year deal or something, and they almost look like you you might not be going for too long more. But I came back here to Auckland City and. What I what I remember was the setup here was very good. The training was very good, and I was able to to keep that level of fitness and that level of com- competitiveness going. So then, when I when I did get the call for coming out of retirement, I was physically in a in a situation where I knew I could step up, which was great. And then because I knew I could do that, or I thought I could do that, sorry. And then I you know played those games, and obviously I could. So that that was I guess the benefit of that. I mean, we're here training maybe four times a week at amateur club, working really hard. It was a time in 2009 at a club level as well that we we won a game at, at, at the FIFA Club World Cup and we ended up coming fifth. So it was a little bit of a rattle there for, for the brand of New Zealand around the world. And and the club team also, the, the training environment was very strong. So then, and I did not know that when I was returning from, from, from Europe. So I guess that was around that time of, of returning back to the national team and, and being able to step up for those games. So, yeah, in hindsight, it's a, it's a great decision. But I guess that that environment around me at the time was strong enough for me to make that decision quite easily. Yeah, and you did a whole heap of winning with Auckland uh, City and they continue to be a very, very uh, strong club. Uh, Ivan, thanks so much for sharing your time. The last question I, I have for you, um, beating Australia in an international on home soil, now how good is it? You know, if the if the players of t- tomorrow can actually achieve it, you know, share share the feeling of beating that the big cousin from across the ditch. Yeah, look, it's a it's a great it's a great thing to happen because there's a lot of factors involved in it in, in all the sporting the codes. I believe it's it's the big brother small brother type thing. It's uh, the belief that Australia have in themselves that at times. We know is sometimes overinflated, you know, but uh, but that that adds to the beauty of the game, you know, and that's that's what gives people that drive to to win those games, and so the the the, the feeling afterwards is even better. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. around the Confederations Cup, we were able to to beat them one 0 a couple of times for both Confederations Cup, and, and the shock on the faces and, and the, the, the ah. absolute disbelief that they've lost to New Zealand, they could not believe it, even though. You know, it happened, uh, you know, in a in a in a phase of two or three times over a period of four years. So it's, uh, it's that little bit of beauty and that little bit of uh, uh, disappointment on their side that you want to see in their faces. So yeah, look, we have the quality to do it. We have the quality. To do it. We've seen it. We saw in the first game the players uh, had some chances. They, that game could easily have have gone our way, and uh, I don't see any reason why a packed out Eden Park can't get behind the players and 
to show them the support that they've been missing for the last four or five years since they've last played at home and get a get a result. Absolutely believe it can be done. It'd be great to shock them on their road to their World Cup. Well, Ivan, um, honestly, I think that everyone wants nothing more than to see a double win against the Australians this weekend. Um, and it's just great to hear not only your passion for the game, every legend that we have on this segment, um, you can just hear how passionate they are um, with the sport that they play, that you played for, for so many years, 18 years, uh, your career. And um, it's nice to hear that there's no silver bullets. It's just hard work, isn't it? That's how you get to the top. Unfortunately, that's that's the the best recipe, I believe. Hard work, and that's what that's what that's what we hear many times. So that is that is my uh, what I've believed in and what I've sort of ingrained in me from my parents and and, and bringing up. So it's uh, it's it's still going on now, to be honest. So. <laughs> Ivan, we'll leave it at that. Thanks so much, mate. Would kiss the ring if it was available to us, being the godfather that you are. Thanks so much for all you've done along, mate. Continue. We look forward to chatting down the line, sir. Thanks, Ivan. Thanks, Greg. Thanks so much. Our privilege. Uh, Ivan Vislich joining us. 88 uh, A Internationals for New Zealand. No other man has played more times for the All Whites in that setting. Uh, um, a, a New Zealand career that went from 1995 through to 2013 and still heavily involved in the game. He was our Saturday session legend for this week in association with Somerset Think New Friends, New Laughs and a New Home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages, somerset.co.nz. Back after this. Big thanks, Ivan Vislich. Joining us for the Saturday Session Legends segment. We've got plenty more to come. We'll open the lines after 11. We want to know on this uh, weekend of pour some sport on me. Uh, what's top of billing? What uh, are you demanding a result from? What is most important to you, the listeners? I'd uh, love to get your thoughts on 0800 811 or text 8833. Uh, also on the show, Grant, we're going to talk some boxing. Joe Joyce, you're a bit scared of, aren't you? Oh, I looked at his, yeah, I always look at the, not so much the physique of the boxer, but you look in the eyes, Ah. and you just see if there's a little bit of crazy in the what eyes. What type of eyes do I have? Do I have kind eyes? You've got those eyes where anything could happen. <laughs> anything could happen crazy with those eyes. eyes. Is that what you're saying? No, not crazy, just, you know. But Joe Joyce definitely has crazy eyes? Not crazy, but just, you know, they're, they're scary. They're, there's something in there, there's uh, a cold heart in there somewhere. He looks dangerous. It's like when I was facing bowlers that were running in and bouncing me, there'd be some that would stare at you and you'd go... Sean Tate? Yeah, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wild thing, he was called. Well, we're going to talk to Chop Chop Chad Milnes about boxing. wonder if he, um, you, know, you know, looked at people's eyes. Look into my eyes. Look deep into my eyes. Was it kind? He's only got kind eyes. I'm going to beat him. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Parker v. Joyce in the next hour. Uh, we'll also find out where our um, regular producer is. Might have to pester his phone. Uh, four minutes away from 11. What dance is that? Great dance, isn't it? I don't know what that is. Provocative. It was a, a little It's bit a very provocative, provocative dance. Get, just getting out, you're, just, <laughs> you're invading my personal space, mate. Get away. I know love was changing the minds of pretenders. No thanks very much. Grant Elliott is alongside me, Daniel McCarty. Rob is our producer today. Does Rob play better tunes than Ben? I think you, you're, not saying, you're not saying a word. You're not saying a bad word about Ben. Because Ben Francis, our um, producer, normally on this show, Robbie's taken over from him, is playing his first professional darts Yeah, making his, making his professional darts debut today. His We're going to have to call him sh- shortly. Yes. Yeah, find so, out how he's fearing, because you know, there's no way he would be nervous or anything. Oh, he's quite a nervy character. I wonder how he he's, is He's going. an emotional man. Yeah. We love him for that. 
Whereas sports, you don't want to be emotional. You want to be emotionless. You can do that really annoying thing you do where you, you, know, you try to compartmentalize things and actually yeah. make it simple. Um, you know, we're mere mortals, mate. You've got to be kind to us. Breathe. Inhale. Exhale. Focus. Our number is 0800 You can text us on double eight double three. Morning, Grant. In from the Bay here. I believe I owe you some beers. Please give me your address, and I will courier it to you this week. Don't forget to tell me your preferred poison. That's a man who actually, you Good know, on you, Ian. he honours his bets. That's all right, Ian. You know, the fact that you're listening and you text through, that's good enough for me. Yeah, and sorry for calling out on social media then uh, last weekend saying you'll never appear ever again. I was wrong. <laughs> uh, Zaid answering our question. Uh, he is looking forward to the All Blacks game going tonight. And also, uh, Joseph, uh, the pocket Jojo, should be a good uh, one tomorrow morning. Yeah, um, we started off with pour some sport on me um, to the theme of Def Leppard. There's so much sport going on this weekend. Uh, we want to know what's top of your billing. Let us know what is the most important thing uh, uh, to your sporting weekend and why. 0800-150-811-8833 because we're coming to you live from Ramfilly Shield country. Uh, Grant Elliott, it's all about the Shield. You got Shield fever last Saturday night, didn't you? I did. And you know what? You know why I love the Shield. It's because we always talk about, you know, if it had a GoPro on it. And I heard Izzy Dag and his morning he said, if the Shield could tell a story. You know, everyone talks about that. And everyone said, oh, it'll be really tough for Wellington to back it up, you know, this week because... Well, obviously are a very good side. They are. Yeah. But also because I think, don't you just end up partying for a lot of the time? But that, that's probably the old days. Now they might just have one or two in the changing sheds and then probably get straight into an analysis session on the game for this weekend. So I reckon what I loved about that Ranfurly Shield game is that was one of the first domestic sporting events I've seen in New Zealand where I saw utter desperation from both teams. Like I saw desperation. There was so much physicality. There wasn't this back tapping and smiling to each other that we saw in the Chapel Hadley. That was just, that was irritating us a little bit. But this was, you know, they they were there. They're putting their bodies on the line. And you don't see that that often. Whereas I actually, I I thought, wow, this this game, these guys are out there to play. They're putting everything on the line and that as a fan that makes you gravitate towards the game and towards the team even more so and get out into support so if they can replicate that passion that they played with last week i think wellington are a chance a bit like uh the nrl right those players are giving everything um you know we we joked about our one player maybe giving a little bit too much and mitch and mitchell moses um sacrificing uh, what the birth of his daughter to help the Eels uh, get through last night. I, I want to hear from Eels fans today. It's been 36 years since they've won a title. I think, what did I say, 2009 since they've made a grand final. Uh, Eels fans, uh, let us know how you're feeling today after that come-from-behind victory against the side. I'm not sure many of you felt you were capable of beating. You know, home field advantage in Townsville. The, the Cowboys are so good. Uh uh, NRL fans, 0800-150-811, especially Eels fans. I'd, I'd love to hear from them today, how they're feeling the, the day after, the night before. And if you want to talk about the second preliminary final, here is your chance. Uh, it's open line talk. We want to know what's uh, top of your sporting weekend. I, I want the All-Whites to beat the Socceroos. Uh, I want a crooked number. I, I, I look at Danny Hayes' uh, tenure with the All-Whites and say there's a lot of th- things to like. I think they're very well organised. Uh, you know, they progress the ball nicely up the field, but it's that final third that is lacking. Uh, I, I know it's a little bit hard, but we, when you look at their record, big wins against uh, the lesser nations, 
I think in his 15-odd games in charge have scored 27 goals, but 16 of them came in three. So how? So, struggling to get a game, a goal a game. Uh, someone uh, also points out, uh, hi Daniel, I salute you for getting Ivan Vyslitch on the show. He's a legend of New Zealand football, an enduring memory of his career as him standing next to Ronaldo and Ramos at the presentation of the FIFA World uh, Club Finals. Thank you for bringing football to the show. Thank you so much, uh, Carlos from Christchurch. Very nice words. Uh, someone writes here, I'm looking forward to the NRL uh, uh, AFL Grand Final today and then the All Whites tomorrow. AFL Grand Finals. It's always so fun. I always dip into that competition for about two weeks a year. I am the ultimate fair weather fan. But that Collingwood comeback to almost beat the Swans last week. Talk about gripping sport. Um, oh, I want to touch on your point about the football. You always keep talking about the final third, which is obviously getting the ball in the net. Does that come down to individuals, or does that come down to more team formation and... Um, about the lack of goals? Yeah. I, I think a bit of both, really. Um, is three five two the best system for the site? Mm. Um, do they need to be a little bit more adventurous? Uh, th- there's nothing like massive riding on this game. Like If you lose, uh, you're not missing out on going to a World Cup or anything. You know, yeah. Payoff is not significant. Yeah. Um, so, so they might need um, uh, to, to alter that formation a little bit to be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, of course, it's difficult to, to play your best sides on a Thursday and a Sunday, so there will be changes to the lineups. You might get our strongest-looking side. And uh, on the other side of the coin, then you've got the rugby and the combinations there. So talking about, you know, Will Jordan. Bowden Barrett's going to start at 15, from what I understand. Jordan's on the wing. It's a good opportunity for Bowden to show what he's got because everyone's tipping Jordan to be the one that should have a little bit more room, should play fullback. There's also been talk about Roger Tuvas, Sheik, he should start. Um, what, where's he fit yeah, in I'm the whole... I'm not really sure what their plan for him is. Yeah. I, I, I said at the beginning of this um, switch to rugby that he doesn't have a lot of runway. doesn't have a lot of time, um, both in his age and also the World Cup, which I assume was a big carrot for him. Um, he does seem to be on a bit of... He's on the outer, isn't he? Geordie Barrett getting the start at 12. have been, had a number of injuries in midfield. If he's not going to get tried there now, when will he ever? Yeah. Uh, this is as far as a starting position. Uh, the loose forward mix is an interesting one for me. Huge game for Cody Taylor, who had his best a very good rugby player, but has been miles off the pace with regard to his form. So... You know, you're looking at more individuals rather than the game itself, or is, or is the winning run at Eden Park a significant thing for you, Grant, that you want to maintain that? Well, I think the main thing with this game is just getting combinations. We still like searching for combinations. That's what I don't understand. Is, you know, this week you're listening to a lot of pundits talk about where people should play and who should play where. I would have thought that after all the rugby we've played, we know what our best team is. And I don't understand why we haven't found that combination yet. Obviously, the results have probably dictated that, but it doesn't feel like we know what our best 15 is. And I've always said, and been a big fan of consistency. Consistent selection gives you consistent performances. And Justin Marshall said it in our show, the more you play in a position, the better you get at that position, and you can make those split-second decisions where it's a subconscious decision because you've seen that move happen before. You know that whether you made a, a good decision or a poor decision. And you put that into the old computer upstairs, and that's experience. Um, you know, in Conrad Smith, I think that that position has been massive. 
you know, some, somewhere where Conrad Smith was, was always, you know, dominant. So having that as a secure position, your first five, we just seem to be a little bit uh, all over the show at the moment. Well, if you read Gregor Paul in the New Zealand Herald, he certainly points at uh, things are rosy. Uh, and I, I'll read a couple of lines and, and do wonder if this might uh, elicit some sort of reaction out there. But here they are now on the eve of playing the Wallabies at their own fortress with a chance to win their third trophy of the year and further justify the decision to retain Foster as head coach. Uh, from staring disaster in the face, the All Blacks have uh, now settled coaching panel, four wins, the Mandela and Bledisloe Cups, and if they win in Auckland with a bonus point and a bit of daylight between themselves and the Wallabies, there will be a great chance to also secure the rugby championship. Mm. It paints a picture of everything's okay. It's a positive picture. So, they also nearly coughed up an 18-point lead. <laughs> yeah, 31-13. In one of those games. Oh, the last one. Yeah, I, I'm not sure there is much uh, capital, positive capital uh, in the general public um, as at the pen of, um, you know, Gregor Paul there writing for the New Zealand Herald, but I, but I understand where he's coming from. Um, get your thoughts coming in on 0800-150-811 or Texas double eight double three if you want to talk about the rugby uh, or any of the sport um, on our uh, plate this weekend, feel free. Uh, Brendan of Masterton writes, um, Morning, gents. I'm looking forward to watching Bathurst. Oh, wait, that's in a few weeks' time. Only the All Blacks game for me this weekend. Oh, cheers, Brendan. Only? Come on, Brendan. There's got to be more to, more to life than rugby and motorsport. You're missing out there, son. Maybe we can do the show uh, the weekend of Bathurst. Or the, isn't it Bathurst? I think the locals call it Bathurst. Bathurst. I don't know. I've never never been. I Maybe we could do the show live from Brendan's um, kitchen. Do you think the as... Weekend of, the weekend of uh, Bathurst. As the Formula One expert and motorsport expert, in, do you think that I should really go to Bathurst? I think SCNZ, should, we should do the show from there. Oh, right. See if Robbie can pull the strings today. Okay, Robbie, um, can, you, can you fire that off to, to, to the bosses? <laughs> this yeah, is a key sure, part yes, of yeah. the... Key part of the role of producer of the Saturday session. I think you underestimate you my power. Absol- I have to give you, it a go. Yeah, yeah, your job is to write an absurd email asking right. for the world. Of course. <laughs> yeah. We've asked for a lot over the time. So, we haven't got much back, have we? I want to ask you this. For the, the rugby game, which Brendan has obviously fizzed up from Masterton about, what about the time-wasting call at the end of the game? Now, is that going to be... The line in the sand? No, it won't time be. Because that, no? that, that seemed one individual making a judgment there. Do you Is know what I, do you know I found? I, I don't like the fact if you're going to referee, um, you know, petulantly, you might argue, and I will argue this, in the 79th minute of a game, and you do not referee the game to the laws when it comes to time-wasting, go back, put a stopwatch on, I did it, I'm a loser, I've got no life. Two of New Zealand's conversions should have been ruled out before they were kicked because New Zealand went past the 90-second allotment from mm. the time that the whistle sounds toward the try to New Zealand kicking the goal. They are facts. Now, yes, he probably didn't tell Sopoanga that time is running out. He probably wasn't aware. But the referee cherry-picked when to be strident on time-wasting. I want them to be strident on it from day... from. Moment number one, when the prop goes down to clean his studs, I'm so sick and sick and tired of of the ball not being in play. Well, you'll like this then. So this was... Um, I did I make my point Christian clear Cullen, enough then? You did, because okay. this is going to back up your point. Um, he said, the whole area would be much clearer if the world rugby boss, Alan Gilpin, had fronted the media this week and said, yes, 
you can consider this an official war on time wasting. We've empowered the refs and backed them 100%. So Crimea River, if you get blown up for taking a minute to form a line-out. Well, that would be far too sensible. <laughs> but that would be great. But it also shows that Machu Rainau was the sole arbiter of the laws, as he's entitled to do. I think... I, I'm all for, I, you know, I praise him for mm. that moment, but do it throughout the contest. Yeah, so I, you, I, I you don't think, think there'll be appreciate... any change? No, no there'll be no, no nothing noticeable on that. You get the you get the stopwatch out. I, I bet you there'll be multiple conversions that go beyond ninety seconds. Absolutely sure of it. Uh, Jamie writes it's a Ramfilly shield for him, texting us on double eight yes. double three. I've sacrificed going away with my family today so he can go to the game. Come on, the Lions. Where are the family going, Jamie? And where are you not going with them? And um, any tips on on how how you achieve something like that? <laughs> yeah. I heard some great tips the other day, but I can't. It's man code. I can't actually. I can't give them on the radio. A nod and a wink. So keep yeah. your uh, nominations coming through uh, via text or via the phone. Double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. As far as uh, what's top billing, as far as uh, the sporting weekend is concerned, uh, we'll take a break. It's fourteen minutes after eleven. Back after this. Grant Elliott, I know you want to be a horse racing commentator. Let's be a tennis commentator. Here is your chance to call history. Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are in a match tie break. The second set went to uh, Sock and TFO. Um, gone to a tie break. It is seven all. Federer's cross-court volley has just staved off a career-ending match point. Grant Elliott, here is your moment. Here is your moment. Well, Are you, are you ready? Are you ready to call some tennis? Rafael Nadal. Why are you American all of a sudden? <laughs> one, of the best, one of the best tennis commentators I know is South African. Who's that? I've forgotten his name, but he's really good. Rafael Nadal, first serve. Oh, no, it's hit the net. It's a bit of pressure on him here. Roger Federer, and he's just looking very energized at the net there, crouching down in position. TFO on the return. Federer with a forehand at the net. Nadal. Cross court. Oh, oh, and that's oh, almost panelled. He's, he's, he's hit, hit Roger Federer. You don't do that. TFO has smoked a forehand <laughs> and, and hit Roger Federer. It's 8 7, it's match point. He's Ban laughing. Ban him for life. <laughs> but you can't do that to Roger. It's not going to be popular. It's, a, it's like Joel Garner under the ribcage stuff, isn't it? It is gnarly. He hasn't tried to miss him. He's gone straight for Federer at 98 miles per hour. Dean, uh, we'll get to you in just a moment. Grant Elliott's living his dream here. Um, Dean has called through on 0800 We appreciate uh, your patience. Uh, this could be the last point of Roger Federer's career, Grant. Could be TFO he, with a serve. I'm getting a little bit. 7 Crouched down his sock. Oh. <laughs> Crouched down to his sock? Crouched what's, he down. what's he done to his sock? Oh, sorry, that's his, his teammate. Sock. <laughs> that was a fault. The first fault. Second serve for TFO. Goes straight. Backhand oh, in the net. Oh, he had to do that. I reckon he's done that on purpose <laughs> because he tried to smoke Federer in the previous point. Dean, uh, welcome to the show. Would you hit a ball directly at Roger Federer uh, on his last point in tennis? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're a, you're a savage individual, aren't you, Dean? Sweep the leg no, no, is your no, mantra. No, no, you, you hit it straight at him, but he's good enough to hit it straight back. He expects it. He doesn't want to be a bridesmaid last game. He, he'll be loving this, absolutely loving it. Yeah. But the reason I rang, I don't mind if you carry on with the Roger thing. That's pretty important, but I've got a gorgeous Japanese partner, and I'm so looking forward this afternoon to seeing her in a Japanese rugby jersey because we're in all-black jerseys ever since I've known her. But I managed to find a Japanese one, and uh, 
be a nice time to wish the Japanese girls welcome to New Zealand, firstly. And it'd be a hell of a watch because I haven't seen too many slow Japanese in it. So no, no, you hold their watch. team, but that, that's yeah. a really nice touch and well said. I'm looking forward to seeing the Black Ferns. Uh, Federer and Nadal have just won the uh, the next point grant. It is nine eight. So match point with Federer and Nadal. They won the first set six four. They lost the tie break seven six in the second. So it's a match tie break. Grant Elliott, uh, SNZ's leading tennis commentator. Call it home, son. A momentous occasion here for both Nadal this is not and the PGA Roger tour. Federer. Korea. It's uh, also in London. It's, in London. it's in London. It's in London. British crowds getting behind what's been a fantastic, could be end to a career. Oh, ice. No. Just wide. It's just wide. He's hit that wide, Bob. Come on, sell it, mate. Sell it. <laughs> Down the middle. Sock returns to Federer at the net. TFO. Oh, Federer into the net with a forehand. Oh. Couldn't quite get there. And this is really turning out to be a drawn-out game. It, it really is. Nine uh, all m- now. M- much to Grant Elliott's disgust. Uh, Dean, so that is, that's the key game for you. It is uh, the Black Ferns up against Japan. Uh, plenty of emotion in your household as a result, and, and you're looking forward to seeing what the Japanese can do against our, our, our women's side. Yeah, well, I love all sport, mate, to be fair, but it's just good to have these ladies here in New Zealand, and like they haven't just come to make up the numbers, I wouldn't imagine. Like, the Japanese aren't like that. Like, when they take something on, they just keep practicing and practicing and practicing until they're pretty damn good at it. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good watch. And Smithy's got air ladies, yeah, looking really good too, you know. Like, and the old, everything, mate, I can't wait. Like, we're, we're having a club day, to be fair. We're just, I'm dressed up in the old Pirates. No, well, so you say number one, but it's just a, a nice jersey, a shirt and a tie, you know. But it's cool, it's still kind of cool. And Yumi will have on her Japanese shirt. And then we'll both jump into our Penrith jerseys later on the night. <laughs> just said to the guy that I'm going to watch it with, haven't I got potluck dinner? So we got, she caught bloody three salmon last week too, the tinny little lady. So we'll have sushi and it'll be kind of a good day. But then we, I said to the guy I'm going to watch it with, how about we put in 10 bucks each and... And sip a sponge and off you, and we'll buy this boxing, and we might go home on Monday. Mate, I, I'm going to let you go there, Dan. We've got to get to an ad break. You have just summed up the best sporting weekend. It's just wall to wall sport. Throw in some freshly caught salmon. You're having a better day than us, Dean. There's no denying that. Thanks so much for calling in on 0800 150 811. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous of that day. What a weekend of sport. Yeah, Dino's and, got it sorted. And to have a, you know, a horse in the race in the NRL too, unlike outsides. Uh, long vanquished. Uh, TFO has nearly decapitated Nadal at the net with a smoking forehand that, that was moving at the speed of light. So it's match point sock and TFO again, Grant. John McEnroe, coach, he's watching on as suck. Delivers the serve, comes back with a forehand to Nadal. Back and forth between Suck and Nadal. And down the line, that's it. That is the game. Suck and TFO win it 11-9. And that's the end of a wonderful career for Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, as they shake hands and embrace TFO apologising to Federer because he actually tried to decapitate him. I think you need to apologise to our <laughs> listeners, Bob Costas. <laughs> I don't even know who Bob Costas is. He's, a, he's an American sportscaster who sounds yeah. eerily familiar to you. <laughs> Similar to you. Yeah, the career of uh, Roger Federer is over.
Yeah. What bizarre scenes. He's walked off court, shaking the hand of not only his opponents, but Bjorn Borg, then John McEnroe. Uh, he's been clapped by Tsitsipas, he's, Djokovic, he's Andy visibly, Murray. He's visibly emotional as well, actually. Absolutely. I think um, yeah, there are a few tears. An incredible career, really. Yeah. Uh, the winning, the artistry that came with it. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure that that combination of, you know, the amount of titles and the, aesthet- the aesthetic of, of the way he played um, will be the reason why uh, so many have him as the number one player of all time. And also, I mean, you know, we spoke to Ivan Vichilic, who had an 18-year career, and the hard work and sacrifices that go into playing the sport and be where Federer has been for a majority of his career, I don't think people realize the sacrifices and hard work sports people do put in. They get rewards, absolutely. But there will be so many emotions going through Roger Federer at the moment where he knows it's finally over. I don't have to turn up at a court tomorrow or gym. I can eat what I want can do what I want, um, and I don't have to let tennis dominate my life. Yeah, amazing uh, to think uh, it's all over. Roger Federer, uh, career is no more as far as uh, competitive professional tennis. Losing his uh, Labour Cup doubles against uh, the international side, TFO and Sock, and the tears are now flooding. The tears are now flooding down the face of Roger Federer as it starts to hit him, and uh, his career is all over. He takes one last uh, round of applause from the crowd and acknowledges them. Hugely emotional moment. What a career he's uh, had. Uh, keep your messages rolling into double eight double three. We did uh, ask that gentleman who's uh, going to the Shield game and leaving the family uh, home. What was the key? Uh, he's writing. Oh, I'm writing for the wider rapper. I'll head over tomorrow. Uh, the key's having an understanding with the wife. Uh, the quicker the conversation means less hugging and kissing, and I'm all for it. Well, Daniel, I'm all Grant, if, you ever, if you ever do this American accent again, I'm walking out. And Pete, thanks so much for setting me right. Uh, no one likes a corrector. We love correctors. Uh, I did have a slip of the tongue when I was trying to say Richie Mwanga. I said uh, Sopawanga. Uh, that takes me back. As Pete points out, Sopawanga, Daniel, only about five years ago, try Mwanga. Uh, yeah. You are correct, Pete. Thanks, uh, may- Pete. Maybe I've just had uh, you know my uh, mind wandering to Lima Sopawanga playing for the Hurricanes next year and winning Super Rugby. Someone's got there's, to keep him in there's check. There's a story Pete. there, or is there not a story there? You be the judge. We will take a break. We're going to talk some boxing shortly. Stay with us. This is um, the Saturday session. 28 minutes away from 12 o'clock. No regrets, Grant? No regrets? Well, if you missed it, I was doing tennis commentary with a golf accent, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was stitched up massively by Daniel McCarty commentating Roger Federer's Last and it was doubles doubles tennis too, which is notoriously hard to call on radio when you you, need to paint pictures with words. Do you think? um, Do you think Roger Federer will get that commentary? Do you think he'll get that commentary? (laughs) Can we send that to him? Maybe his little NFT soundbite or something. He might be able to keep that one. No more of NFT propaganda either, sir. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to stand for that these days. Uh, we're going to turn our attention to the realm of pugilism, to boxing. Great for nicknames. This one. Great nicknames in boxing. Boxing get it right. They do get it right. They don't just call him Parksy. <laughs> Parksy. No? We well, he's up against the juggernaut. I've always thought, uh, Joseph, um, uh, I remember doing this um, uh, as a talkback idea um, many years ago on radio. Um, trying to come up with a, a nickname for Joseph Parker, and I, I dislike someone um, who, who suggested Mother. Mother, why? Mother Parker? Mother Joseph? 
He doesn't. He doesn't get, get it. it. He doesn't get, get it. it. I'll have to explain it to him. You mother, Parker. You. Oh right. Yeah. yeah chop no, chop joins us though. You like that nickname? Heck chop chop. Yeah. I want to hear why uh, he's called Chop we're Chop. Absolutely delighted to welcome into the program. Uh, he was a fine boxer at his all right, uh, own right, amateur champ of New Zealand went to Oceania. He's went to Commonwealth Games. Trainer knows the sport inside and out, and has a magnificent nickname to boot. It is Chop Chop Chad Milnes. Welcome to the Saturday session. Good day, Chop Chop. <laughs> Cheers, cheers, lads. No, cheers. Uh, good to be here. Good to chat with you. Well, Chad, why Chop Chop now? I, I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> by nicknames. Love it. Uh, to, be, <laughs> to be honest, um, there isn't really anything to it. It's, I didn't want to have a cliche name, and uh, my coach brought up a boxer. There's a boxer that not many people know called Chop Chop uh, Cawley, Demarcus Cawley, and he fought Mayweather. But no one really knows him because he wasn't that good. And uh, it just kind of ah. stuck, and no one else really has it. So... You got it. We don't have yeah. <laughs> do you, do your mates unique, call you Chop Chop? Actually, a lot of people call me Chop Chop. Yeah, so um, it's it stuck and and it just kind of goes. I I actually am, you know, part Asian. So it, for some reason that kind of links to it, Chop Chop. So I go with it. That sort of rings. <laughs> well, I love it, and it and it's really in the upper echelon of New Zealand sporting nicknames, which um, you know, Chad. Generally, <laughs> as you know, New Zealand sporting nicknames are rubbish. We're big uh, contenders of, of that on this uh, this program, um, but boxing is is just made for great n- nicknames. Whether it's James Lights Out Tony, James Bone Crusher Smith, gee, there's been some buttes over the years. Have you got a personal favourite? Um, far out. Uh, you got me in a spot here, man. Well, actually, I quite like Joe Joyce the Juggernaut. It's a very fitting name. Yeah. Talking about that, that's relevant, right? The Juggernaut. That's an awesome name yeah. for for our our fight of tomorrow. Um, oh man, it's probably on a spot up. No, no, that's perfect, and that's also well. called a segue. <laughs> that's a wonderful segue. You know what you're talking about? Yeah, the yeah, juggernaut. Yeah. Hey, hey, interesting, the juggernaut. interesting guy, right? Overall, interesting career path. Um, a guy turns professional at 31. It's not not normally the way. He he hasn't been particularly active over six years. Only think 14 fights. So the juggernaut. What, what do you know of him? What do you like about him? What do you admire about him? Oh, the juggernaut. Well, the juggernaut is a machine. And, um, I mean, as a professional, uh, yeah, like you said, he hasn't been, he, he hasn't been super active and he hasn't really fought a lot at, you know, the highest level as such. He's only really, the only really big fights that people kind of will, will recognise are the fights with uh, Daniel, the Daniel Dubois fight. Um, and and uh, really, that's kind of the, the, the name of note, really. Um, but a very experienced and well-performed amateur. He's an Olympic silver medalist in Rio. Um, and, and, as an amateur, was top in the world. Uh, I've actually seen him do a bit of sparring live. I uh, had a couple of trips to the um, Great British Camp when he was an amateur, and, and he's a machine. He's super fit, massive engine. Uh, for a guy weighing in, he's 123, I think he is, he can run a, he ran a kilometre in under, or just over three minutes, three minutes, 10 seconds. Kilometre in three minutes, Whoa. 10 seconds. For a guy, six foot six, 123 kilos, who can also do a backflip. He's, uh, he's a specimen, and... Um, you know, some people might have seen him. He looks his boxing looks rubbish. You know, he, he looks like a rock and sock and robot. He takes punches. He's robotic. He looks a little bit sort of I don't want to say Gumby, but kind of. Um, but he's super strong. He doesn't stop, and he has the results to prove that he, he's he's competent in the ring. Chop chop. 
is there anything about? I mean, the, he sounds like the complete athlete. Well, he sounds type. like a villain, a the, superhero villain. He does six Doesn't foot, three hundred and twenty kegs, and can run a kilometer in under sort of two minutes or whatever it was. Uh, unbelievable. He's, but probably got, it, yeah. he's got, probably got, he's probably got killer eyes too, right? <laughs> well, is there anything in the eyes? Because I saw a photo of the juggernaut and I looked at those eyes and I just thought, I do not want to be in a ring with that guy. He looks scary. <laughs> he's a big guy. He's a machine. Um, he's he's kind of not really emotionless. He's quite like, he's quite a plain kind of character. He doesn't, <laughs> he's an interesting character. Yeah. When, in the interviews and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but, He's juggernaut as well. It's uh, that's exactly how he fights. He just once he starts going, he doesn't stop. But with all his physical attributes that are really good, his boxing is quite pretty average. He's, he's, he he doesn't really move his head. He doesn't really use his feet. He doesn't really use lateral angles or anything. He just punches. One thing about him though is he has a good jab. Um, it's a solid jab. It's strong, and he's got good timing. Awkward sort of timing with it. Um, and I'm sure that that's something that he'll look to utilize. Uh, in his fight tomorrow with Joe. Um, but yeah, the boxing side, the technical side, is is not super flash, but he makes up for it just being a, a physical specimen. So, so Chop Chop, this, from what I've read, this contest, everyone thinks, should go 12 rounds. But, from what I understand, Joyce has had, or the juggernaut has had, four finishes in his last four uh, fights. I think he's had 14 stoppages and 15 fights overall. Yeah. yeah. They so, tend not to go the uh, distance, he, right? Yeah. And, and, and what I've, I've heard is that they've slated him to knock out Parker prior to the 12 rounds. That's what I've been reading. Is that what you're thinking? It's, uh, oh, you know, I, I, <laughs> no, Joe, Joe's my man. I know Joe from, from a while back, or oh, I used to box amateur with him, so I don't want to say that, that Joe won't make <laughs> the 12 rounds, mm. but, but that's the juggernaut style. Like, uh, he, he's, four, he's had 14 pro fights. This will be his 15th. And 13 have uh, not gone the distance. And, and that's due to he just doesn't stop. He's a big guy. There's a big engine. He can just keep going. And uh, what he does is he just drowns a lot of those heavyweights out. And, you know, heavyweights are big guys. It takes a lot of energy to, to maintain uh, a, work, uh, a work rate over 12 rounds especially. And he's a guy that can just keep going. And he just drowns them out. And eventually they just go. They just go. And he can punch. He's, got, he's not fast-handed but he can punch. Um, and that's going to be his thing going in. It's, it's, Joe is a lot better boxer. He's a lot faster. Uh, he's, I think, defensively a lot more sound. Joe, Joe technically has a lot of things going for him on top of Joe Joyce. Um, and I think at the same time, people don't really give Joe enough credit for it but because they often refer to him as a small heavyweight and it's more about his speed. But Joe actually has pretty damn good power. I, I think when it comes to to one punch knockout power, I think Joe actually has that on his side over Joe Joyce because he's dynamic and a little bit like Mike Tyson, like the punches come might come out of nowhere and he'll, and he'll whack you. And Joe Joyce is a guy that gets hit. Like he's been hit almost in all of his fights. He does get hit, but he's got a great chin and uh, he weathers death, the storm or the punches that he gets hit by and he just comes back and, and, and uh, beats them down and some of them wave the white flag or, or the referee calls it off. Um, Joe's kind of, in my eyes, Joe has two ways he's got to win. One of them is weather the storm and, and maybe wait for Joyce. He is 37 after all. Maybe the engine isn't what it used to be. And maybe he might slow down sort of 12 hours is a long time. He might not be able to keep his foot on the gas for the whole 12. So he might maybe in the middle of the fight, maybe die down a little bit. And maybe Joe comes into play and, and outboxes him maybe for the later half of the fight or, or beat, 
outboxes them early and then maybe outboxes them late. Or he tries to spark uh, Joe Joyce out before that momentum starts to go, before, mm. you know, the engine starts picking up and, and, and then Joe himself gets tired. So those are the two ways I think Joe is going to have to win. But Joe also, I mean, he fought Anthony Joshua. He's fought Dillian Wyatt. He's fought Derek Chisora. Those are guys who, I mean, he's fought Andy Ruiz. And those are guys who, who, who hurt people. They put people away. They're, they are aggressive, dangerous fighters. And Joe, he's got knocked down a couple of times uh, by, by White and, um, and Derek Chisora. But he's gone the distance with those guys, or, or, or he won. Um, so he, he's pretty durable, and he knows how to look after himself. So uh, I, I think he's got a good chance of, of, of making the 12 rounds if it goes to that distance. Um, and to win, I think he's got to knock up it early or, or box to those 12 rounds. Yeah, that's kind of my thought yeah, it's on be... those, those sort of options. Yeah, and the nature of Joe Joyce tends to make good fights because he is you know, quite a straight up and down fighter. Uh, he, he'll, he'll give some grant, but he'll take some too. I've been really fascinated listening to Andy Lee, the, the trainer of jo- Joseph Parker in the lead up to this. He's talked um, a lot of sense. What you have, uh, Chop Chop, as far as um, the, you know, the tactics that they likely will need to employ in, inside the ring. I found it really interesting how he's talked about the inconsistencies Joe Parker has showed in the past about taking off rounds, um, uh, you know, in, inactivity within fights. You know the fight game well. Is that hard to teach an old dog this new trick? Or is, you know, 30-odd fights into his professional career, this is just what Joe, Joseph Parker does from time to time? Or, or can Andy Lee fix it, you think? Well, I think the, the big thing to point out is actually Joe was only 30. He's only 30. And, um, and, and, he's, a, and he's, a, he's a father. Um, and he's coming into that. He's, he's starting to really mature now. And I think, mm. you know, when he's fighting in his 20s, he's turned quite early. It's definitely an element of, of you know, you're young and, and, and might not take things too seriously. It might just be, you know, there's distractions as such. But he, he's really starting to show maturity. And he's also in a really good camp. He's there with Tyson Fury. He's there with Andy Lee. He's training in a, in a really uh, good environment. And um, I definitely think that, there's, there's still some, uh, uh, there's the best is yet to come for Joe. I think you can definitely teach a, a, an old dog new tricks. He's not old. He's actually not old. He's, he's about to come into his prime as a heavyweight. 30 is, is, is not even hitting the prime for a heavyweight, you know? Um, so I think the best is yet to come. I definitely think that, that he can change. And I mean, in his recent couple of fights with Andy Lee, he looked awesome. He looked awesome. Yeah. He absolutely destroyed Derek Chisora and Derek Chisora is no pushover. He's one of the most dangerous, durable uh, uh, guys out there for a heavyweight. And um, I know he's had some losses, but he's been in there with the best and given a good account of himself every time. Um, so I definitely think that Joe definitely can be learn new tricks. And, and, and really the way I see it and, and, and um, what Joe's sort of shown in his attitude, I think the best is yet to come for Joe. And he's just got to be able to get past this, this this challenge. And it is a big challenge. It's a hard challenge. But if he can get through this, man, I, I'm really excited for what our, our Kiwi boy can do. Chop, chop. There's so much that goes around the support crew around boxes. Does Joseph Parker have the right crew around him with Tyson Fury as well? Oh, massively. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's massively about the people around you. I know you only fight to the one person in the ring with your opponent and the, and the referee, but boxing is a team sport. You have to have your team around you, a winner's mentality. It's, 
you know, the gym and the, and the team is what allows the boxer to be able to perform well. And he's just an, I mean, I don't know a better team for someone like Joe right now that he could be with. Tyson Fury, the guy that's come back from, from uh, you know, a really dark place in his life to be a superstar and, and the king of the heavyweight division. I mean, that, that, that's the role model um, of all role models that Joe could be with, and he is. Uh, so he's got an awesome team. I'm really excited. And uh, he's been with that team recently, and, and in his recent performances, he's been amazing. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's got the right team with him. Chad, you're a superstar, mate. Thanks so much for dropping by, dropping the knowledge on, on us ignoramuses. We appreciate it. We look forward to getting out with you soon, I hope. <laughs> Thanks, Chop Chop Melny. <laughs> Good on you, Chop Chop. Chad Mel. yes, he's he's in the uh, the Hall of Fame in New Zealand sporting nicknames, isn't he? Yeah, brilliant. You love chop. that one. You'd he was good. One. He brought some amazing energy as well. He was very reluctant, Chop Chop, to actually say that Parker wasn't going to win because he's obviously good mates with him. Well, Parker's going to win, Yeah, in my humble opinion. Okay. I'll explain why, maybe in an hour's time. You heard it here first. I'll probably back out of that one in an hour's time. We'll take a short break. It's 13 away from 12. Nine minutes away from 12 o'clock. One career is ending and one is beginning. (laughs) I think we need to make a call, don't we? Robbie, please call. I actually thought you were going to say, because I thought it was going to be about me, and you were going to say my my tennis commentary. Everything everything needs to be about Grant Elliott. Oh, he better not. He better answer. Yeah. He better answer. If not, just leave him one of your famous messages. Hello, Ben speaking. Hello, Ben. It's Grant Elliott and Daniel McCarty from the Saturday session. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Yourself, eh? Yeah, good. And where's your headspace at? We've told all the listeners what's happening today. It's your professional debut. Being How's your head? Professional darts player that you now officially are, having resigned from SENZ. We also broke that news. Um, yeah, how was the headspace? Oh, headspace is pretty good. I've uh, had to seek uh, some advice from some top athletes, excluding Grant Elliott. Um, but hey, we're, we're getting there. It's nearly time for uh, the first start, so we're looking forward to it. Do you have to have a a, a pint and a durry before you? Is that the warm up for darts? Well, I don't drink, and nor have I ever smoked. So, I'm, ironically, I'm not the your typical, uh, stereotypical dance-looking dance athlete. Well, you not, not too many of them have munnets, do they? Not, not, not overly uh, common oh. on the dart scene. <laughs> well, just as you were doing it, funnily enough, my partner was actually just uh, sprucing it up a little bit, so it looks all nice. Oh no! The cameras are rolling. It, your partner's doing your hair right now. Well, she did, and then I said, "Oh, my phone's calling. I have to go." So I, I know, I know how important you guys are in my life. So you know, priority grooming. Ben, what's your walk-in song? All the darts players have a walk-in song. Do you get to choose one? Well, well, because we're, we're not at that stage yet. But we, I guess when it comes around, we might look at getting one. But at the particular moment, we don't have one. Uh, for those who are unaware, where are you? And, and tell us about this competition. And uh, who, who's your opponent? Well, we haven't, haven't got our opponents sorted yet. They're just doing the draw now, but we're at the uh, Birkenhead RSA for the fifth event on the Dart Players New Zealand Tour. Uh, I think there's 53 people here, and uh, what's going to happen is we get drawn into groups of six, I think it is, and then you play everyone in your group, and if you get three wins, you advance to the knockout stages. If you don't, then you go to the consolation round, and we'll see how we go. 
you know me, I'm an always positive guy. I don't like to undermine any of my teammates. What is your biggest fear, though? What what could possibly go wrong? You know, well, what would be your worst nightmare? Uh, losing every single game. And that could happen. Well, potentially, I've I've been observing uh, how other people are going, and I think I should give it a good nudge. But I am not one that really excels under a lot of pressure, and I tend to put myself under a lot of pressure at the dartboard. So hopefully, if uh, things go well for me, then we'll be able to smash in a few wins. Well, I'm a jerk, and clearly I was trying to undermine you, so we'll go to the nice guy, Grant Elliott. What well, advice? Well, You're the high-performing athlete amongst us, Grant. What advice do you have? Ben, all I'll say is you've done the hard work. The only thing that counts now is under pressure, big match temperament. So if you can calm yourself, that person that you, um, your opposition will be feeling exactly the same way you are. So if you can calm those nerves and just get into the zone earlier than they do, you will nail it, my friend. And we've got every bit of faith in you that you'll come away, hopefully with some silverware. You get some silverware, we'll be really, really happy for you. Yeah, we'll you allow deserve you back. it, mate. We'll allow you back if you win some silverware. Yeah. Well, I, appreciate, I appreciate that, guys. And you can actually keep track of uh, how we're going online. So I can put you guys through the link and you can uh, watch my progress. And uh, hopefully. Well, Grant's already commentated me. tennis today. Uh, is there a live stream? We could, we could commentate some, uh, some darts as well. Happy. Send it through. Send the link through. We've only got 15 seconds. Robbie's got steam coming out Good of the air. Good luck, Ben. Don't ask Give it horns, buddy. Give it everything, Ben. Go, Ben. The Saturday session right behind you, Ben. We will not put the knife into you if you're eliminated in the first round, Ben. <laughs> Now's the time, Ben Francis. We now will. is the time. We probably will put the knife in, won't we? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Way we roll. <laughs> we'll take a short break. It's nearly midday. It's four minutes away from 12. Final hour of the show. Grant Elliott, you are present. Gee, you've been working your phones hard today. I am. Well, I'm looking at the draw. Phones. I'm looking at the draw. Ben what? Francis. He just sent a message. Um, and in his round robin, the first four legs, he's got Ben Robb, Josh Walters, Ooh, Andrew got ben Hastings, Rob. Anthony Benatiz, and then there's uh, a buyer. Ah, so he got one of New Zealand's top-ranked darts players in the first round. Yeah, but I've just told him, I've said he'll be real nervous. The top top rank one. Oh, He's is that why Ben's texting us with excuses like, oh, just got a really t- tough draw? No, he's going to, he's going to, I really am invested in Ben here. I want him to do well because I want, I want the world to see this haircut, this monstrosity that he has on, on top of his head. I want them to see it. <laughs> that has had his partner grooming it before the draw. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, Ben. Uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about just prior to the break, uh, we called our regular producer, Ben Francis, who's making his uh, debut. Uh, in the uh, you know the realm of uh, competitive darts, he of course hosts our dart show here on SCNZ. He is a, a strong advocate of the sport, knows it inside and out, but he's a competitor today. So does that make you the only non-professional sports person in our group now? No, I, I got paid um, by someone years ago to play sport. Oh, in Holland. And, and one of the greatest, <laughs> the greatest um, scandals and heists. Um, only Donald Trump can compare <laughs> for, for swindling people like I did um, in the Netherlands in the early 2000s. And I still have to try and find stories yeah, of... someone paid me to play rugby and cricket. Wow. Hilariously. So how many sports have you been paid to play? That's right, just one. Be careful what you wish for, Grant.
Our number is 0800-150-811. Help Grant out by changing uh, the topic. Another chance for you to join the show, uh, if you so please. Uh, we open the show with, uh, you know, pour some sport on me. It's a huge sporting weekend, isn't it? Uh, there's so much going on. We've asked uh, you what your top billing is. Uh, plenty of messages have come through. Uh, although uh, Justin writes, and I do like this one, morning men, always a great listen. Can't wait for the triple header today. Shield game, all blacks, and the finale with the bunnies upsetting the Panthers. So there's Justin's day, mm. just sorted out right there. He's going back to back to back with rugby, rugby, and rugby league. And what about Dino? Uh, what Justin hasn't mentioned there is Japan uh, Black Ferns. Yes. So Dino is going to sit down with his Japanese partner and um, get into all the paraphernalia. He had a great day planned, didn't he? Salmon, fresh salmon was caught. And th- that's what you have to do with sport. Get out the, And then into get, the boxing. Get the errands done early. He was going for a 24-hour stint of watching sport was Dean. Uh, so if you want to carry on that conversation, you can on 0800-150-811. Boxing fans, in all seriousness, um, you let us know in your educated pers- uh, from your educated perspective, um, how does the JoJo fight go? Well, I'm going to... Parker or Joyce? Chop, and when? Chop now, Chop was going for Parker. You're going for Parker. I, I, I see Parker having the skills to to deal with Joe Joyce. Um, even if he runs into some stiff um, Joyce punches, he, it, it looks like he can really take a punch for mine. So if I'm to, you know, maybe one Kiwi I open here, Grant, um, I would say Parker, a, I won't go a split decision, I'll say a unanimous points decision. Mm. You reckon the juggernauts go in the distance. But I'll tell you now, the, the odds are not looking good. They've got uh, Joyce at $1.44 and Parker at two fifty. Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, at the New Zealand Blown market. Out. Yep. Interesting. Uh, so boxing fans would love to get your opinion on that matter. Uh, we spoke to Chad Mills in the last hour. Chop Chop joined us, uh, the former uh, New Zealand amateur champion, Oceania champ. Fought at the Commonwealth Games. He knows the sport inside and out, and he knows Joseph Parker very, very well. Um, go check out our social media accounts if you want to um, check on the knowledge he dropped on us. Uh, but it is that time of the week when we need to acknowledge, Grant, that the hard workers out there mm. in, in the sporting world, in association uh, with our dear friends at uh, Midas Tires, it's time for our workhorse of the week. Giddy up, Grant. Our workhorse of the week. Uh, week. We want to know who or what team has been the hardest worker of the week who has been toiling the land and bringing out the best of who we are as New Zealanders and as sports fans. So we want to know from not only you and Robbie and myself, but the listeners out there, who would they nominate for our uh, Midas Tyres Workhorse of the Week uh, the section, uh, segment with Midas. Midas Agritires, the choice of leading manufacturers. Midas Agritires, European quality made affordable. I've got a nomination. I'd like to start off with a, a non-nomination. Can I also have a non-nomination? Absolutely. Great. This is our show, Grant. <laughs> a non-nomination for our Workhorse of the Week in association with Midas Tires. I'd like you to, to take you to Ligue 1. That's French football, Grant. French football. I want to take you to the top flight game between um, Nice, or as a lot of New Zealanders would call it, Nice. That's nice. For Nice. <laughs> So Nice were playing uh, Angers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the game kicked off. Angers in position, immediately just attacked straight down the middle of um, nice, Nice's uh, defensive line. Lovely interchange of plays. And, and within seconds, uh, Abdallah Sima was in on goal. He was going to score. 
but no, 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 uh, non. <laughs> uh, the uh, Nice defender Jean-Claire Tobido hacked him down. And because he was the last defender, he was sent off after nine seconds. <laughs> he was sent off after nine seconds. So my non-nomination, uh, this is our anti-Midas Tyres workhorse of the week, because he didn't work. He just didn't, he was out there for nine seconds. Jean-Claire Tobido was sent off nine seconds into a top flight game. It's not only the fastest in France, um, it set all statisticians um, uh, scattergun thinking this might be the fastest sending off. Yeah, well, that's what flight. I was going to ask you. So well, fastest know, ever. I don't, don't know, know if anyone has got a story out there of getting sent off faster than that. Yeah. Has anyone been sent off in the opening second of any game? Now is your chance to out yourself here on National Radio, uh, 0800-150-811. If you're a thug and have been sent off, sent off um, inside 10 seconds, I'd love to hear that story. But he's my non-nomination. Okay, I like it. Are you, do you want to give your nomination before my non-nomination? Well, I'm going to have to bra- take this opportunity to brag a little bit because I, I, I tried to tell everyone last week that uh, Wellington was soon to become the Ramfilly Shield, uh, the does. home of the Ramfilly Shield. Um, I, I'm going to give the Wellington Lions, who I thought dominated that second half against Hawks Bay and actually should have won by a staggering amount, but good on them for doing the, the, um, doing all the work. Lovely try straight after the break was a key moment. Uh, wonderful offload, Perinara scores. But in true blue, time-honoured Wellington fashion, they couldn't coast to the finish line. They couldn't <laughs> do it easily. They had to stress all Wellington fans out there by by missing a penalty that really everyone should throw over. And then the games, it's game set match at that stage. But no, they missed that and they give Hawks Bay one last chance. But I loved Hawks Bay, uh, you know, giving it to the very end, a wonderful tenure they had. Congratulations to Hawks Bay. 14 defences is really, really impressive. But my uh, Midas Tyres work also the week goes through the Wellington Lions. Yeah, that's brilliant. Great nomination. I love that game. Um, well, I'm going to kick off my non-nomination with uh, Netball. Uh, the Netball series has been disappointing for Netball. Non-nomination, right. And its professional sporting reputation. Jamaica, after such a strong and powerful showing at the Com Games, now unable to field a competitive team. Jamaica found itself losing 70-45 to 45 on Wednesday night to the Silver Ferns um, at the Event Finder Stadium in Auckland. The fact that they were almost unable to field a team of 10 required to make this an official international game, with three of the travelling 10 being made up of Carla Borrega, who hasn't played top-level netball in five years, Romelda Aiken-George, who gave birth just six weeks ago and linked up with the team for the first time at the venue, and the coach herself, being the 10th player after a hectic scramble. It was disappointing, and the trophy had been negatively impacted. Disappointing not only from the Jamaican team, but the Silver Ferns, and also for the fans, obviously. Yeah, a huge letdown for the fans, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not, who's to blame for this? Well, they, they did have visa issues. I well, know I, I know, but um, when you know you're going to another country, uh, your mm. sporting organisation or the, the host sporting organisation, generally is aware that visas are required, right? Well, uh, There's some egg on someone's face <clears throat> or uh, maybe multiple places. Yeah, It's just not good enough, is it, Grant? And, uh, it's well, a real shame. It was built up to be a real battle between two great teams. Well, it was and going to be. It now, was going to be. unfortunately, the fans suffer. The sport yeah. suffers quite a bit as well. Well, see, the Sunshine Girls have been excellent. <laughs> so that's your non-nomination. So who's your, uh, who's your contender for Workhorse of the Week? Uh, get your suggestions in too, listeners. Double eight, double three. Uh, who would you nominate for Workhorse of the Week? So my Workhorse of the Week is the White Ferns. The White Ferns, um, that was their first ever one-day international series victory in the West Indies. 
So uh, they just came, well, they'll be flying back victorious. Um, and Eden Carson, she got three for 31 for eight. She's new in the team. It's the best ODI figures on debut for the White Ferns since 2014. It's really nice um, result for them. They, of course, lost to the West Indies in the opening game of the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, the West Indies are a, a, a very good side. Um, and New Zealand got their fair bit of, you know, warranted criticism, I would say, post that World Cup too. But it's never easy going and winning in the Caribbean, is it? No, tough conditions. Caribbean. Yeah. Caribbean or Caribbean? Which one is it? Caribbean, I'll go with. I think that sounds... That's a Caribbean, yeah. Daniel. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Bob Cost is back in the studio alongside. And, of course, the Black, the Black Caps only won um, their first one-day series against the Windies this year, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're really tough in their conditions. Low, slow decks. Um, and the, the West Indian uh, players dominate uh, when, when you're over there. The crowd gets behind them. And obviously, you have to try and make sure you don't get caught up in the rum punch. That's that's the the main thing. Mm. That'll get you. That will get you, Robbie. Uh, what's your nomination? The Midas well, Tires Workhorse of the Week. Have you got one? I, I'll I'll start I'll start with the non-nomination as well. Actually, just going going back to uh, what you were bringing up before, I've I've brought up brought up an article of uh, a footballer. I think it's Sunday League uh, who was sent off in two seconds. Um, what? How did he get sent off in two seconds? After the ref, the, ref, the ref blew the whistle right next to him, and he said, uh? "F me, that was loud." Sent off for foul language. <laughs> oh, what? Brilliant. Oh come on, that ref, that ref needs to send himself off. That Raynal. Give yourself an uppercut, Raynal. <laughs> Don't do Sunday league football, you pedantic <laughs> so and so. You <laughs> sent off after two seconds. If anyone out there has been sent off. Under nine seconds, we need to hear from you on SENZ. You need to call. If you know someone who has been sent off inside nine seconds, you need to call them now to tell them to call us. Please, <laughs> I, need, I need to find someone who's been sent off faster than nine seconds. It was extraordinary. Uh, someone writes, um, oh, sorry, Robbie, uh, your actual nomination is. Yeah, yeah, well, my, my actual nomination, I mean, uh, go, going to Grants first, how, how good are the White Ferns? I'm big into cricket. That was amazing. Um, so, yeah, that that – was going to be potentially mine, but I, I think I'll um I'll go I'll go. You can with, say it too. I, I, you can I will, say it. I will say it too, but I'll also just throw Roger Federer out there. Like what? Yeah. What a career! What? Yeah, a career. that's a great and, shout. And to be yeah to be able to end it the way I mean obviously it was so very close to being a win, but I don't think that's realistically going to matter to him. Um, to be able to end it that way in London with so many adoring fans and so many of the great uh, tennis icons that he got to play with and against. Uh, it, yeah, I'm sure it was just amazingly special and it it uh, looked that way um, on TV. Well said, Robbie. That's a really good shout. Um, a nice way to go out. TFO doing some head hunting in the last uh, tie break too. Scotting Roger on the shoulder, nearly taking off Nadal's head at the net. There's a bit going on. Bob Costas commentating live here on SCNZ. <laughs> it was all happening, as Bill Laurie would say. Get your nominations uh, for our Midas Tires Workhorse of the Week through to us on double eight, double three. Someone uh, points out here the Jamaican coach was playing. The Jamaican coach was playing the same time Ian Foster was playing rugby. Imagine if he named himself at 10 for the All Blacks. The world. The New Zealand rugby public would lose their mind and SENZ sports hosts would laugh maniacally when the microphone is off, going, we are the winners.
Double eight, double three. Get your uh, nominations through. And uh, a reminder: Midas Agritires, made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment ma- manufacturers worldwide. European quality doesn't have to break the bank. Uh, so Midas Agritires for your equipment. Uh, only the big hitters on this show, Grant. We know this. Uh, we've got to go back to one of our our great loves on the show: chili eating competitions. Well, now it is. Yeah, it is now. Yeah, after we had... The best in all of New Zealand is going to join us after this break. Stay with us. 18 minutes after 12 o'clock. Keep your uh, nominations coming through for our uh, Modest Tires uh, Workhorse of the Week. Um, on the back of uh, one of our non-nominations for that, uh, we, I told you the story about the uh, French footballer who was sent off in nine seconds. I want to find someone in New Zealand sport who's been sent off in nine seconds or less. Uh, text in double eight double three or pick up the phone and let us know. Uh, someone writes here, fastest sending off a car- Invercargill Pirates under 18. Uh, Roland Stellan got in a dust-up. His brother Brett, who was a reserve, ran on in one punch, sorted and Brent got sent off, and he wasn't even on the field. <laughs> that might be it. That's up there. That's a good shout. Thank you very much um, for that message out of Southland. Keep those rolling in. Hey, Grant, we're big into chili eating competitions on this show. Well, you are. Who, who's the reigning champ on the Saturday sesh? It would be you. Yeah, yeah, bow down to me. Uh, League of Fire uh, presents the New Zealand Hot Sauce Festival Oceania title chili eating belt match is on today. I hope I got that right because, uh, you know, one of the stars in New Zealand's chili eating circuit is Jesse Painter. I think he might be the national champion. He's on the show. He's with us right now. Jesse Thanks so much for joining us. It's a, it's a real privilege having you on the show. Good day, Jesse. How we doing? Oh, we are great. Have I got that right? Because that, that's quite a mouthful yeah, as far as, uh, excuse the pun, it's, uh, New Zealand Hot Sauce Festival Oceania title chili eating belt match. Crikey. It's a yep. big day. Close enough. Close enough. So, yeah. so, is this, Close enough. so this is even more important to, than a national champion? Chip, to you, Jesse. Um, my goal is always to make the uh, get a hat trick for the New Zealand um, champions, but it's yeah, it's a pretty big honour to hold the hold the Oceanic belt as well. So yeah, it'll be. So ha- ha- how does the competition work for the uninitiated who weren't here last time? We talked about a chili eating a competition. How how does one get the belt around their waist at the end of it? Just eat a shitload of chilies. <laughs> That's all you can do. Be the last man standing. <laughs> but, but Jesse, when I watch the competition, they give you an array of chilies. It's not just one certain chili. So my my uh, host over here, Daniel McCarty, he had the pleasure of having the Californian Reaper, and I had the ghost yep. chili. They were sent to us, and we, we had a little taste. Carolina but, Reaper, isn't it? I don't not that it yeah. is. It Carolina or Ca- oh, yeah. yeah? Oh, that's the one. Come on, mate. And see um, is key on this show. But when I watched the uh, YouTube clip of the competition, they send you just like a tray of a lot of different chilies. Is that how it works? Um, towards the end, we started sort of yeah, the, getting getting multiples. But yeah, you you start down in the, the mild spectrum of things and just work it up higher and higher and higher until you're up in the two million scoville range. Well, what's the worst chili eating? What's the worst chili eating injury you've seen live? Um, getting into the finals, my first competition, I ended up with like big blisters all down the side of my tongue. That was a bit of humour. So it took a few days to heal. But no, nah, generally, <laughs> I, like, I love how, not I love, really too many. I love injuries. how you found 
I love how you found humour in that uh, scenario. Um, Jesse, <laughs> g- give me, give me, give me the genesis. How did you discover you were really good at this? Um, I worked for a, a, a capsicum farm that grew a few chilies, and we just started sort of yeah munching more and more, and oh, I can actually do a few of these. We'll try and uh, see how we go in the um, the heats, and it just grew from there. Three right, so at, work, at, so, so at work you were eating chilies and going, actually, I'm, I'm not feeling any effects. I'm going to go into a competition. And what, you just swept all aside. So you, you were the, the rookie phenom. Phenom. Yeah, yeah. Love that. What about the older the older section of the chili eating competition? Was, it, was there a bit of jealousy? Uh, is, is there a bit of niggle? Uh, you know, were you not welcomed with open arms? Nah, we're, everyone's sort of yeah, pretty pretty open and, and welcoming. It's it's yeah, it's a real family based sort of event, really. Um, you know, worldwide, everyone's sort of patting everyone on the back, and it's yeah, it doesn't matter if you can only eat twelve chilies, two chilies. You know, it's well done getting up on stage and giving it a crack. So um, the challenges I'm reading on a website here. There's challenges as well. There's a chug challenge, and it talks about bottles. Is there bottles yep. of liquid chili? Yeah, just yeah, stupid amounts of uh, super hot chilies and a smashed into a bottle, and you got to drink it. And stand so, there is, is, would that be, would that be your favourite event? No, I don't particularly enjoy doing doing uh, chug challenges and things. They're not bad, but yeah, they're not great either. Well, you see, you're not involved in the sport. I'll say it. that sounds utterly stupid to me. That 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 sounds just a dreadful time. That does not sound fun at all. But hey, uh, you you'll do whatever's put on your plate. So to get through a competition like today's, and say theoretically win it, how, how many chilies are you likely to eat? Uh, I'd say we'll sort of probably get close to about uh, 30, 40 odd. Oh man, give or take. You couldn't have one bite. Grant, you couldn't have one bite. I did have one bite. I had, you know, thumb. And, and then when we were talking on the phone, he said, the next two minutes it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. But I think what everyone wants to know at the moment, Jesse, and the, one of our uh, listeners has actually texted in, is they want to know what's it like in the morning. I mean, are you doing handstands in the shower? Well, what's the story everyone in the morning? Everyone wants to know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... The old ring of fire is not great, but it's 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 the old fire hose. That's that's the real problem. That one really stinks. <laughs> oh, my Last heart. one from me. When someone has too hot a chili, what should they drink? Water, beer, milk. What what are the secrets? Yeah. To reducing the heat in, in one's mouth when great they make question. a horror horror mistake with the chili. There's nothing. I've always said all you've got to do is breathe. Because no water, really? no milk, nothing does anything. You're just spreading oils around your mouth and making it hotter. Washing all the saliva off your tongue and it goes back to square one. You carry on burning some more. So if yeah. you just breathe through it and let your body naturally deal with what it needs to deal with, you'll get over it a damn sight quicker. Yeah, well, Jesse, I let my 10-year-old son, I took the remnants of the ghost chili back home. Ter- and I let, terrible father or good father, I'm not sure. I let my 10-year-old son have a go, but we had a had a bowl of ice cream next to him. So he, that was the, the kicker. He would do it if he could have some ice cream. So he he was burning up quite, You're not pretty quite a lot. You're not pretty tough, are you? 
I, I can I can hear Jesse shaking his head right now. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse didn't train like that with a bowl of ice cream next to him. You're not going to breed a champion there, Elliot. Yeah, but I'm not a ten-year-old either. No. <laughs> so who's the big rival today? Uh, the Aussie guy coming over. He's 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 a pretty bit of a beast. So he'll be the uh, the top dog to knock off. Well, he he wants to knock me off, so. I've got to knock him off sort of thing. So, yeah, that, that's probably where it's going to be at. But any anyone in New Zealand who's in the finals, it can be anyone's game. I've I've watched seasoned vets bail out after two chilies. So it, it's just, it's anyone's game. It's just how it goes. Right, Je- well, Jesse, thanks so much for dropping by on game day, mate. Uh, thanks so much for having a bit of fun with us. And good luck. Go stick it to the Aussies. Yeah, you've got this, Jesse. Come on. <laughs> We, get, we want to hear the results, and I want to hear that you've won it. Awesome, guys. No, if, um, I'll just put out to uh, everyone out there who's listening, come down to the sweatshop, check out the uh, the Sauce Fest, and 4.45 this afternoon, we'll start munching some chilies and get our final winner. Beautiful, Jesse. Thanks so much. Yeah, the aptly named Sweatshop uh, Brew Kitchen, I think, is in Freeman's Bay. Uh, with the New Zealand Hot Sauce Festival and the Oceania title chili-eating belt match. Gee, there's some uh, characters. Uh, Jesse Painter, um, who, uh, according to the, the brochure, rocks the, the spiked mohawk, and it stands a good 10, 10 inches up. It's really impressive. Um, some of the other names, Adam, the Chili King, uh, Connell, uh, Jack Wingnut. He just calls himself Jack. And his nickname is Wingnut. Um, you got Paul Bolo Channing. Oh, some brilliant ones there. Greg Iron Guts Barlow. That's a great nickname. Yeah. Uh, good luck to all our competitors. Uh, where are we heading now? Are we off to the races? Does Clado want me to do this in a Bob Costas? No, I, I no, I don't. <laughs> I, don't think. I think we're going to head to Awapuni, is it? Um, at uh, twelve. 35. So my apologies. I thought the race was about to jump in about 90 seconds. It's not the case. What we will do then is take a short break and then uh, return uh, with our first race of the day. We'll also catch up with Clado and the crew. What's fine, uh, What's happening on the good oil? Uh, we'll also have our sporting punch you probably should run a mile from. Uh, keep your nominations coming through for your workhorse of the week. And uh, we need to find someone in New Zealand sport has been sent off in 10 seconds or less. Um, <laughs> dob out your mates, please. Double eight, double three, or pick up the phone and tell us the story on 0800 150 811. Back after this. Robbie's with us too. He's producing today with our, our normal producer, Ben Francis, um, making his competitive darts debut. Good luck to Ben. Uh, we're all rooting for you. Uh, Grant Elliott's going to give us some live uh, darts updates. You're following the stream? Or are you just again Instagramming your mates again? Yeah, Bob. Um don't <laughs> no, give me a Bob Costas. I've heard enough Bob Costas. Uh, Grant Elliott uh, commentating some uh, tennis earlier in the show. It was good, wasn't it? You really did. You you th- you said to me straight away. You said, "Mate, that is the property of SENZ now." Mm. Are you happy with yourself? Yeah, yep. Um, in fact, for a whole year, even if you left tomorrow, <laughs> and they they own it for a whole year. And they can milk the teat from that one. Uh, We're going to uh, head to Awapuni, race number one. This is meet number four, race number one. Come on, Grant, give me your picks. We've got 60 seconds before it's uh, due to jump. Straight after the race, the great Clado is going to join us to tell us what's happening after one o'clock. Generally, some very, very good knowledge on horses. You don't get that on this show. Yeah, well, we've got um, 
We've got seven, five, two, one, and three. You don't know any of the names, do you? I'm waiting for the names. No, we should up. just cross to the race then, because uh, our esteemed listeners deserve better than that. They're all at about $3. Miss Bell at number seven okay. is at $3. Maggie's Clan, number five, is at three sixty. Ride the Tide, <laughs> number two, uh, Barzetti, number one. And number three is Can Bite a Bit. I like the sound of that. Yeah. At $14. At four, I'm going for number three. Can come bite on, a number bit. three. We're go all on number three. three. They're all Let's paying go. three bucks except for our one, which is yeah. paying 14 I'll, I'm no expert, but that smells like a long shot to me. Come on, number three. Let's cross uh, to Awapuni. Race number one. Good luck today, punters. Regarding the uh, parade, maybe a lean towards the one, Barzi. Okay, thank you very much, Tun. I went two to one. I think uh, this horse is pretty progressive out of that race at Woodville. He's been nominated and scratched uh, on a couple of occasions. Out of Spring Cheer, who of course won a New Zealand Cup uh, in her time. Uh, over misspell, uh, Barzetti in the mix in the five. Maggie's clean, but I have, this is one of my plays of the day. Is that almost locked and loaded? He's time. And racing here, and they break out pretty well. Maggie's clan goes forward, as too does Miss Bell Barzetti behind them. Over on the inside, as can bite a bit and ride the title, settle down. The last of them to the 1400 metres they go. And here it is, Maggie's clan holding the front by just an eight length here from Miss Bell, who's sitting up second. And there's two lengths away then to uh, can bite a bit with a half the outside is Barzetti and a couple of lengths to ride the tide, the last of the five as they work on down the back of the track and Lisa Earl Press and Maggie's clan dictating here as she wants from on the outside of it is Miss Bell, there's two and a half lengths away Barzetti on the inside, can bite a bit and ride the tide is uh, finding the bridle quite nicely at the back of the field and may look to go forward as they run off the back of the track and striding along the Yamir Maggie's clan, still from Miss Bell Barzetti, a length and a half off those, can bite a bit and ride the tide, just awaiting uh, its opportunities, going to follow Barzetti, who goes now, so they come on down the side, and Maggie's clan, from Miss Bell Barzetti, around the outside, right on its back, is ride the tide, and can bite a bit, is last on the inside, only three off the leader as they come up towards the home corner here, and Barzetti with Maggie's clan going again on the inside as they swing, then we have uh, the next Next one, Ride the Tide, about to try and run out and after these runners as they get down with 200 metres to go. Barzetti over on the inside, fighting hard Maggie's clan, then Ride the Tide, given full bore now, Barzetti, and Barzetti raced away. Ride the Tide, Maggie's clan, and then Miss Bell, but a local victory first of the day as Barzetti scores with a leg in the air. Ride the Tide, and then we had Miss Bell on the inside, Maggie's clan, and can bite a bit. There we have it, uh, one beating two, seven, so first number one, Barzetti, ride the tide, number two in second, and number seven in third, sorry I was uh, keeping a close eye on number three, Bidabit, who finished I think five, five lengths back in fifth, yeah, between fourth and fifth. Barely out of the screen, just, just in the screenshot there on the nose. Can't bite it, but it looked like it was struggling halfway through. It did actually look like it wanted to take a few nibbles of the horse next to it. That would have been fun if it actually did start living up to its name and started to bite a bit. Clado joins us. He knows far more about the sport than we do. How are you, mate? We oh, missed you... another one there, Clado. Yeah, you got, you're going pretty there. well there. You should have called there, race, I reckon. Only five in it. Yeah, I could have. Did you not hear the tennis earlier on? Yeah, they're still talking about that. Yeah, <laughs> not in good terms either, are they? It's kind it's of embarrassing, isn't it? 
Clado, uh, Grant went on a bit of a rant uh, earlier today about you know the eyes. Uh, when he used to go against cricketers, he could see in their eyes. Yeah. They, they were mad if if it was going to be an ugly day at the office, like the eyes of the windows to the sporting soul. Can you tell anything by looking in a horse's eyes if they're going to run fast or not? Oh, an expert probably could, but uh, I'm not. I'm not that uh, well endowed, but. Yeah, I suppose it's like that's a good point. You can look into people's eyes and you can see if they're on the game. Um, I've seen some of those All Blacks and uh, a couple of those games and their eyes definitely weren't in the game. Yes. Well, Rico Ioane looked like uh, he was up for a fight last weekend. Those yeah. eyes were going well, last Thursday, Thursday so, week. So what do you look for then, uh, Clado, uh, before a race? What would you look at? Would you look at the legs, how they get into the gates? Just how they look. Would they look bright and bubbly? Would they want to be there? Um, there's a clip of uh, La Creek in the paddock, and she's just bouncing around and kicking out and lashing out, and you look at her and go, she's a very happy mare, and she'll be lining up next week in the Arrowfield Stakes. So with uh, Dark Destroyer um, out for the next couple, and... Imperatriz, a bit of doubt over her whether that she races on a heavy track. I'd be putting as much as I could on Lark Creek. Oh, Lark Creek. Okay. Next week in the Arrowfield. Right, that, right, get on that for next weekend. Uh, it is a huge sporting weekend, uh, Clayton. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty tasting one for the racing fraternity too, is it not? Oh, it certainly is. Uh, Melbourne, they've got a couple of Group 1s last night, the Moore Stakes, and they've got another Group 1 on Sunday. Mornington today, like, you know, Melbourne's like on grand final day, it pretty much closes down, and I think the races are out at Mornington today, so still a good uh, good field out there at Mornington, good fields out there to chase up, but, yeah, all eyes on the MCG today, and what a cracker day that is. Cracker day for sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? I know Great you've got the, the AB's weekend. jersey on tonight. You're pretty confident Fortress Eden Park remains unsullied? I'm pretty confident I'll get the call up at some stage, you know, but um, I'm here if you need me. <laughs> yeah, is available, will travel. Yes, yeah. In fact, I'll run across town if I have to. But, yeah, look, um, gee, remember Greg Cornelson back in the day? Four tries really buried us last time I think we got beat at Eden Park. So, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, there's a bit of doubt in there. There's a little bit of doubt well, in there. Well, we usually bounce back, and we, we pretty much lost the first game, didn't we? So, oh, oh, I'm crikey. looking forward to it. You're you, you take, taking that one pretty tough, my friend. Um, that old that old line, uh, read it in the newspaper. Just read the scoreboard in the newspaper. Um, just remind us who's on the show after one with you. We've got Louis Herman Watt, and he is fizzing. He's rearing to go. He's got a couple of winners, he told me. And Steve McKee. So good old solid. The solid is a rock, Steve McKee, to keep the good oil on, ta- on track. Good on you, fellas. Have a great show. Appreciate it, Clado. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Clado. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Clado and the crew with you in 19 minutes' time. It's 19 away from 1 o'clock. Let's uh, get the thoughts of Grant Elliott on a specialty topic. Uh, you did play cricket after all. Um, Grant Elliott, saliva. Plentiful. Did you have a plentiful supply of it during your playing days? I did. Yeah. I did. I was big on the saliva because I was a swing bowler. Yeah. So I needed the ball shined. Did, was all saliva equal, or did you generally ask one person to look after the saliva? Don't really want to think about it too much. You mm. just sort of like, you know, you you. You spit on your finger and then you yeah. put a nice lathering of it on the ball. Yeah, and then you, give it, to that, some, then you no. give it to someone else at the end of the next over who starts putting their saliva on no, it. You let it's it, disgusting. You let it dry out and then you go with a lot of friction on the pants. Yeah. And then that really does shine up the shiny yeah, side. Yeah, but someone's mouth has been on that ball. Yeah, it's I as know. As bad as Clado's, I'm not well endowed. You don't want to think about it. But, uh, I mean, the, the problem is, is that if you can't use saliva... 
How do you shine the ball? Well, you're not allowed to use saliva anymore. You're not allowed to. And this is official now. Uh, what am I? Why am I bringing this up? The ICC has confirmed uh, that uh, saliva permanently banned to polish the ball in international cricket. It was originally instituted a couple of years ago under the guise of COVID, right? It's kind of a rank, disgusting trait you filthy cricketers have, right? It is, but, I mean, then what's going to happen is, I guess you can use sweat, so you just need to get someone really sweaty, and then you can start using the sweat off their arms or off their brow. What if you've got two players who are... You know, equally as good a player, and one sweats profusely compared to the other. He's going to get selected. Will they get the nod? Will they get selected? <laughs> He's going to get selected now, yeah. isn't he? And will the twelfth man? So you, you pick a thirteen-man cricket test cricket squad. Will you pick your twelfth man based on their sweating ability? I actually think uh, Jesse Painter could actually come in as twelfth man. For the black cat. heaps of heaps of chilies, yeah. And then he walks on the field, and everyone's just got hands yeah, all over him, and they're all touching, trying to. Trying to Get this, uh, the sweat off to, onto the ball. We have discovered the new market at inefficiency in uh, cricket. Sweaty people. Or they'll just, as your 12th men. Or the, what they'll do is just start using sunscreen that's on their body anyway. So. You mean like they've been doing for decades already? Well, I mean, how can you tell, right? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I could type, tape my fingers with some sort of abrasive surface, surface and, and use that to rough up one side. I don't know if anyone's ever done that in the game. <laughs> I could put Vaseline under my my hat, or yeah, under the brill of my hat, and touch my hat all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah this sounds like a man that really does know what's going on when it's mm. trying to doctor a, a red cherry. Yeah. <laughs> and someone writes on double eight double three. Did Grant just refer to his wobbly medium pace as a swing bowling? Chris, listen. I'm pretty sure he Wobbly did. medium paces. They've actually been described as autumn leaves. Yeah. Blowing in the you. wind. Uh, it wasn't the only thing um, in cricket that was changed by the rule makers. I think there were a number of uh, rules um, that were looked at. Um, and slow over rates in one day international cricket will have the same rules for T20. Great. Do you know what that means? Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't finish your, um, a lot, uh, your overs in the time allowed, say... You needed to finish by 3.30 and you only had bowled 48 overs. Well, when it comes to your um, uh, change of innings, um, the last two overs, 49th and 50th, you will have to have one extra fielder inside the ring. You will be punished on the field now. Not just a fine for the captain. Yeah, so I thought they also gave you a certain amount of runs. So they gave you 10 runs extra at the start of the, the over. So... It was the fielder plus the runs. But that's what they were trialling in England anyway. That was in the... The 100. The 100. Mm. But no, I think the ICC have to start transpose the T20 rules uh, over to the one-day international game. Uh, thank you very much, Grant, for your insights on that one. Um, so, yeah, it's generally accepted sun cream's the most effective way to cheat. Well, I think that you gave some real good insights into your life as a, a ball shiner yeah, yeah. at mid-off. Vaseline under the hat. First slip, actually. So it's the first slip. <laughs> no one looks at first slip as the biggest cheater. I just think of him as the laziest bastard in the team. Uh, it's all about subdiffusion, misdirection, Grant. Did you, sign the, did you shine the bird or the numbers? Yep. The bird. And... Um, I'm getting away from this conversation. Ken, can I just say, I will never read that text on air, but that is superb. Uh, it's 14 away from one, back after the break. <laughs>
It is 10 minutes away from 1 o'clock. Thank you, Dan, for texting in this. I remember years ago, John Lomax playing for the Canberra Raiders got sent off within the first 30 seconds for a high shot. Might have been the first hit-up of the game. That's got to be some kind of record for Australian Rugby League. Uh, good shout, Dan. I do appreciate that. And I completely forgot to mention prior to the break about the changes the ICC uh, have to, done with cricket and ratifying certain changes. Uh, significant reclassification of cricket's most controversial dismissal grant commonly known as the Mancad, oh. under the new rules running out the uh, non-striker at the end of the bowler's run-up has now been moved from the unfair play section um, and has been completely legitimised under the run-out section. Okay, Bravo, the ICC. Cheating batsman. Stay in, your, stay in your lane. Do you know what? It destroys my soul when I'm watching grassroots cricket and I see a child do that. What, the non-striker non trying to steal an unfair advantage by getting out of his crease before the ball has been bowled? You're right. It's an atrocious sullying of the game. No. I, I don't think that it's got a place. I think a warning. You have to give a warning. I think a warning first, and then after the warning, then you can do it. But without a warning... No, I, I, I agree if you're bowling. Yeah. It'd be nice, especially at that level, to, to give a warning. But at the elite level, which I'm talking about here... Richard Be his game, mate. I'm sorry. If you're going to steal half a metre, so, no, you, you deserve to get run out. We've had one of our um, colleagues, Richard Petrie, who was a big fan of uh, mental disintegration and the man-cad. But what he used to do was he used to man-cad them, give them out, and then let them walk three-quarters to the boundary and then call them back. And then recall so them. They, so the, they were fuming. And the greatest act of uh, mental disintegration. I'll be the good guy and now recall you. While after, you, after you've, you know, walked three quarters of the way. Brilliant, yeah. Brilliant power move. All right, time for our sporting punts of the week that you should probably run a mile from. Robbie is new to this, uh, so we're going to make him go first. And no, you can't do the Ben Francis um, theory of just doing the opposite of what Grant and I do. That's just mean to us. Right. And <laughs> works And works way too often. <laughs> so so I've, I've just been uh, put on the spot straight away. Yeah, basically. Right. Okay, well... I I was I was doing um I was doing Staffy's show Thursday and Friday and we d we did a show me the money segment and I I went with uh, All well, Blacks thirteen plus. Um, he's kind of the he's kind of the go to guy. Yeah, Staffy isn't he? You've yeah, probably yeah, no, learned no. a bit. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But um, completely uh, from my own brain. Well, actually, from the TAB website. But um, I'm looking at some of the boosted odds. Um, South Africa win by 11 to 20 tonight, boosted to $4. Yep. Could be all right. Will Jordan to score two or more tries at $5. Don't mind it. Yeah. I quite I'd... like that first one. I think you might be onto something there. Yeah. So which one are you going to lock in, or all of them? Um, the Grant Elliott, mul let's multi every multi, yeah, multi I can possibly multi get my hands on. Multi every... Every bet uh, Every, that's possible <laughs> for the All Blacks. Okay, so you're, like. you're boosting South Africa to win by 11 to 20 and uh, Will Jordan to get two tries. Yeah. Like it. All right, Grant Elliott, what's your record for most multis in, in one segment? Is it eight? Nine. Nine. Nine, nine multis. Are you going to beat that this week? No, I'm not. No, there's not, not too many multis today. I'm just going to go five, but I'm going to go North Harbour to beat Taranaki. I'm going to go Counties Manukau to beat Southland. Tasman to beat Northland. New Zealand 13 plus and South Africa 13 plus. That gives you $6. All right. Um, I'm going the All Whites Socceroos. Um, basically, th th there's, there's no real basis behind this one. This is 
this is a what I want bet. A gut feel. Well, last week I, I tipped the Wellington Lions and uh, something else. I think it was two for two from last week. Yeah. Um, my the last results and I did some research, Grant. Last results for the All Whites uh, playing Australia. They lost one nil on Thursday. In two thousand and ten, it was two one. Uh, they lost one nil in London. In 2005, they lost in Adelaide the year before it might have been uh, by one goal to nil. Last time they won was 1-0 over um, Australia in Auckland 2002. Ivan Vissilich, who was on the show, actually played in that game. So New Zealand have scored not many goals against Australia. Uh, I'm going an exact score uh, with New Zealand to win by two goals to one, Grant. So bucking the trend, they're not not only getting a goal, they're going to get two goals. And they're going to beat Australia by two goals to one. I think that currently stands at $11. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like the positivity. You don't normally bring so no, much positivity. No, I'm generally just a, just a thunderstorm, aren't I? Just, yeah. just a grey cloud. <laughs> a, miserable human lo- being. a miserable, sad, pathetic human being. Normally. You love your football, though. You love your all-whites. And Ivan Vesilic, well, he gave us a little bit of insight into how much it means for them as well, to play against Australia and win at Eden Park. Well, it could be a great great weekend of sport, couldn't it, Daniel? Well, it is going to be a great weekend of sport. There's so much of it. We need a Rand Furley Shield for Wellington, a little Bledisloe victory for uh, the All Blacks and the All Whites 2-1 against Australia. Some happy man-getting out there, ladies and gents. And Joseph Parker inside 12 rounds with the juggernaut. Catch you next week.